historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Re- Continue. Ah, I keep saying the End Times Recording. I did that on the last episode, too. Uh, the End Times Continue Recording on this, the 12th of February. Uh, boy, how, man, that thing cuts off so fast. I hate how abrupt that is. Um, I need to, I need to change my uh, compression settings, because that's what's causing that. So, uh, I am Dino, and you are? I am Ace. All right, and we have a, we have a guest this episode. We do. Um, the voice you might recognize, uh, when she begins speaking, you might recognize the voice who says the end times continue in the intro. Um, Lady Jane is, is with us, uh, and I want to say up top at the very beginning, this is not cringe having girlfriend on the podcast thing. This is expertise is what we have on the show right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, uh, Lady Jane, how about you introduce yourself and sort of talk about what you do for a living and um, why you are uh, here today? Okay, hey, um, so I'm Lady Jane. Uh, I'm a criminal defense attorney, and I'm here to kind of give some perspective on the Scott Ritter case and the trial and kind of the discourse around it. Because that is my area of expertise. Now, when you say criminal defense attorney, you only do like uh, traffic, right? Traffic violations and stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. I don't <laughs> only do pretty much extremely intense felonies. I've, I've only really ever done those. I have I've dipped my toe in the misdemeanor pool a little bit, but yeah, we're talking like five to ninety nine or life sentences um, are the kind of crimes that I mostly work on. Those are the ones that I've done trials on. All right, the so other it, ones, you know. Yeah. I say that to say I, yeah. that it's not like you don't have experience with high stakes, like real <laughs> felony litigation. Yeah, pretty much it's only high stakes, real felony litigation. I mean, you know, okay, as a defense attorney, it's all high stakes to me, even if it's a traffic ticket that I'm doing. But. Little some more high stakes. Some high stakes are higher than others. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, well, we are going to get into that. We're going to get into the Ritter thing. Um, but first, Ace had mentioned before we started recording, um, the Ohio, what's going on in Ohio right now? Yeah, so in Ohio, for people who might not have heard, um, there was a train derailment uh, in East Palestine, Ohio. Um, and it's a town of, I think, five, it's a very small, like, village. It's a village, yeah. Think, like five, yeah, it's 5,000 people. Um and um it had it was um carrying very uh toxic chemicals um i think what did they say what was it vinyl chlorate wasn't it vinyl vinyl chlorate uh and then it was uh phosgene gas um from the controlled burn um because they set out a controlled burn because they wanted to like you know minimize it as much as possible um and it essentially created this huge uh, smoke cloud. Uh, if you see pictures of it, it looks like almost apocalyptic um, in relation to like the homes everywhere. Oh yeah, the Hellmouth opened like, as soon as they started yeah, burning that yeah, stuff. It is, yeah, uh, you can actually see it like uh, from like almost the upper atmosphere. Someone was in a plane and took a, an image uh, from up there down below, and you can actually see it above the clouds. It's, yeah. it's very uh, 
very bad. Um, people, it's distressing I, I and it's highly toxic. Yeah, very highly toxic. People within the like close vicinity were told, uh, you need to get out. They evacuated, I think, almost everyone out there. They said, yeah, you know, you have to get out. Because it was a very, mile very around the site. But I'm seeing reports that that wasn't enough because there are people in neighboring communities yeah. who were not evacuated, who are ill. Yeah. Um, there has been – I've seen reports, unverified, of course, by me, but yeah, uh, reports on Twitter of people's pets and, like, their chickens and stuff just dropping fucking dead. Um, yeah, there's in the a, area. I was seeing, again unverified reports as well, but I was seeing like videos of like fish uh, in rivers just floating dead. Oh, that is um, verified. On... That has been okay, in the media. Okay. Yeah, the fish in the in the waterways, local waterways, just fucking with belly up. Like it was, it's yeah, big massive wildlife die off. Yeah, yeah. And I saw something. I, so I didn't look into this part too much, and I, truthfully, I should have. But I saw some reporter got arrested. Apparently, see, this um, is why it's difficult to verify anything about this. Uh, there yeah. was <coughs> fuck. Sorry about that. I have a, I have a mute switch for coughing. Um. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the the police. There was a, a reporter from I believe it was News Nation doing a stand up at the governor's address in a high school gymnasium. And, um, he was doing a stand up at the back of the gym and he was arrested for being quote unquote disruptive, uh, mm-hmm. which was not occurring. Of course, the report that came out about the interaction from the police was full of lies. Um, Shocking. yeah, uh, they said that he was being aggressive and all this other stuff. And that's just not the case. They kind of pushed him out of the room and then tackled him. He was not being aggressive. He was not being, there was nothing at all going on, um, that he was in the wrong about. And so he was arrested as a result. Now, this has led a lot of people to look into the way that Norfolk, Norfolk Southern, which is the class one mm-hmm. railroad who had this derailment about the way yeah. that they operate. And it appears that they work. Um, we'll just say they work very closely with local government and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were I saw a report and I did not independently verify this, but it, it, it could I could easily see it being the case where Cop City in Atlanta was sponsored. Uh, in part by mm. Norfolk Southern. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either, to be honest. Yeah, it was true. So these guys have a really good relationship with the local authorities. Uh, and so it has led some people to believe that the the reason that there is a near total media blackout about this story and the reason that nobody's talking about it is because uh, the local authorities are basically beholden to Norfolk Southern and that that reporter was arrested as a uh, a warning to the media. Yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of seeing around. Like people, that's what people were saying. Again, I, I can't verify that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case either. Um, also, you know, I, something I, we didn't really talk about before the show started, but it just uh, popped in my mind. Um, there's been like four or five unidentified flying objects uh, reported all across the world. Uh, recently. This is and, uh, so weird to me. And dude. Yeah, I, I like it. So this story was happening and I just kind of like I'm like, you know, whatever. Uh, I just kind of scrolled by it. And then like more of them started happening. I'm like, OK, what's going on? I've, yeah, there's uh, been like three in the past little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, there was just one So from when we were recording. There was just one a couple hours ago over Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, they, there's they, a they, they scrambled. They scrambled fighter jets, I believe. Yeah. And uh, shot and something down. Space. Yeah, they apparently for, I, I can't independently verify this but from the news reports i saw they said it was like octagon shaped and sitting like twenty thousand feet up in the air but then later i I believe they came out and said it was a balloon so this is what uh, i'm thinking i'm wondering this 
I'm wondering, okay, so this follows immediately after, and we talked about this on the show, the Chinese mm-hmm. spy balloon thing. Yes. Um, immediately after that, we start getting reports of them shooting down, uh, 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 I believe UAO is the common, is the current vernacular, un- unidentified aerial, no, UAP, yeah. unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, and then there's, the, but they are effectively UFOs, unidentified flying objects. That doesn't mean aliens. That just means there's a flying object and we don't know what it is. And they don't know about it yet. Or they refuse to identify it. Right. Or they don't want to, which is something yeah. I think is very, very possible. Yes. <laughs> um, that, that, it just seems so weird to me. It seems, it gets my little, it gets, it gets my little, uh, my little, my uh-huh. little, the little hairs on the back of my neck start to, yeah. start to think. Um, when I was saying some people saying that this might be a distraction from the Ohio story, like an intentional, one, but you I know, think that's it's possible. I, uh, I think it's possible, but it's, I don't put too much weight into that. I think, nah, it, I, mean, I, I think it might be a, you know, distraction for something else maybe, but you know, who knows? Oh uh, um, yeah. I do find sure. it very interesting that they're all popping up now after the China balloon uh, yep. thing happened. That's uh that's immediately after the Chinese balloon and immediately after it's one of those things that they tried to, uh, they tried to push the story that it was immediately after the Chinese balloon thing. They tried to push the story that, well, this happened like three times under Trump and he didn't know about it. And then it came out that he didn't know about it because nobody told him. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that one kind of was a wet fart of a, uh, mm-hmm. of a, uh, uh, of a, what's the, what's the term I'm thinking of? Um, oh shit. When you try not to answer the question or you try to avoid the thing by bringing up another thing. Fuck. Plausible. Oh, plausible deniability. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no, no. I've, I've just forgotten the word. I don't know why it's gone. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the, that was a, it was kind of a failure of an attempt at that, whatever that word is that I'm thinking of that I'm sure the audience is like, it's this fucking word, you idiot. Yeah, I know. I know. I just yeah, forgot yeah. it. <laughs> um, but the, uh, in any case, so that kind of happened. And now we've, now we've got all the UFO stuff. And yeah. it's like... <laughs> Why? <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it I, just I, doesn't make sense. It just it's just so weird. Like again, I wasn't paying too much attention to the story, but it was just like, oh, okay. There. Uh, why is this suddenly a thing uh, now? <laughs> well, I thought it might be another like pseudo soft disclosure thing or whatever, because that's been happening and it, it tends mm-hmm. to not really mean much. But then it kept happening, and I'm just like, no, this is something else. Like this isn't legit. Like this isn't. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is almost certainly not legit. There's something right. going on to the surface of this. I just don't know what it is. And for me, my 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 take on this would be like I wouldn't be surprised if these balloons had, like this type of thing happened a lot more than people think. But yeah. why is the why are they focusing on it now? Why are they like suddenly making a big thing of it now? When you know we even talked about on the show last time. Uh, our own, the United States government uh, had this technology since all the way, or at least revealed they had this technology and were using it all the way back in 2019. Exactly. Um, so, you know. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, look, the, I saw a story the other day that, that uh, and it was with regard, I think, to the object, or it might have been, might not have been, it might have been earlier this morning, um, not yesterday, but uh, that Canada had closed airspace above the Great Lakes. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think it had to do with the object that they shot down today. Yes. Yeah. Um. But so so I'm wondering if there is a I'm wondering if it's just a bunch of fucking balloons, and yeah. Biden and Justin Trudeau both have an interest in looking like they're being tough on 
UFO right. shit right now because right. of the yeah, way the Chinese balloon made them look. Past. Yeah, exactly. That that's also was a, a theory of mine as well. Like it's like maybe they're just doing this to be appear is you know they're being very proactive. Exactly. Um, I think that's a that is an absolute possibility, and it's mm-hmm. the simplest. I think that's I think that's the Occam's razor of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean it is the case, but I think it's most likely. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and it's and it is a massive. People are people are very much getting into the meme of it all, which is fine. Have fun with it, but mm-hmm. I, I I think it's kind of a nothing story. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I didn't really think much of it, and I still don't think much of it. But it's like, why is this in my newsfeed? Yeah, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's <laughs> it's like a bunch of people are talking about this, and it's like, why though? Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess because it's fun. I mean, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But in any case, so, um, yeah, we just wanted to talk about that and, and the Ohio thing a little bit. There was already a class action filed uh, against Norfolk Southern for the derailment and for the chemical damage and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I do not know how that's going to resolve. I think if the authorities decided to do the controlled burn, I think there's a lot of stuff Norfolk Southern's not going to be found responsible for. Um, right. So it's it's a, it's a strange sort of thing, but I don't know. I, that's a case to keep an eye on. But there has been a class action filed, uh, and you know they still have to certify the class and do all this other stuff. I think mm-hmm. I think they haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's a whole story that's going down, and nobody's talking about it. Or very few people are talking about. It. The only people talking about it are individual people on Twitter. Like there's very little yeah. media coverage of it. Yeah. It's damn near media blackout, uh, which when you're dealing with a class run, class one railroad, these are some of the most uh-huh. corrupt organizations on the planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's unsurprising that they would be that there would be a cover up here. Yeah. But in any case, OK, uh, are you ready to get into the Ritter stuff? Uh, yeah, I am personally. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I wanted to say before we got started on this that, um, and Ace had mentioned it before we started recording, we talked about this before the last episode. Um, yes. Before we recorded the last episode, we were talking about the Ritter situation and whether or not we wanted to talk about it, or at least on that episode, um, whether or not we wanted to sort of dive into that issue or, or, or whatever it is. And we had kind of decided to sort of let it lie. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, which is which was the right choice because the story wasn't really ripe because the stuff that's happened over the last couple of days hadn't yet happened. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we decided, or or I shouldn't say that. I should say, me and Lady Jane, when we saw that he had been taken off of the Rage Against the War Machine event. I feel like we should probably give some, like, for listeners who have no idea who Scott Ritter right. is and what you're right. Is, we should probably like, introduce, like, what, like, you know, what is, how is he involved in the whole thing? So, it, if people don't know, um, uh, the LP and a couple other organizations in tandem are um, hosting a Rage Against the War Machine um, rally, an anti war protest in Washington, D.C. Um, and they have a, a bunch of, you know, anti, anti-war speakers there, right? Uh, you know, the, the usuals. Um, yeah. and, uh, which is one a good of them thing, is, by the way, I want to say it's a good thing. Oh, yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and and what, but one of the speakers is a man named Scott Ritter, um, who we will be talking about on this episode. And as, as Dean alluded to before, we didn't really talk about him before because it's like, you know, it was the story was still kind of developing. And it was just like the, I, at the time, there wasn't really a lot there that we could really like not dive worth into, it, because it was, especially because it was just kind of bubbling to the surface at the time yeah. for, uh, in our purview. Um, uh, but now, you know, th- there's been some developments over over the past week where it's just like, yeah, we feel like we kind of have to talk about this because there is some hypocrisy uh, here that I think we'll touch on, too, as well. Yes. That, uh, it's kind of disappointing. Very um, disappointing. Scott Ritter, uh, for those that don't know, yeah. he was a U.N. weapons inspector. Um, he was involved yes. in 2000 and, and, and one, two and in 2003. He was a dissident voice against the war in Iraq. After he had gone in and, and actually uh, interacted with the government and and done the weapons inspection thing, he was a dissident voice. He he did not think that going to Iraq was the right idea. He claims to have had a six-point plan for avoiding war with Iraq, and everybody was on board, including Saddam Hussein. Um, that's his claim. And and I have no reason to doubt that, honestly. I, I, it, seems, it seems a little, you know, he's, he's, the man's got an ego. But right. I've got no reason to doubt that he had such a plan. I, I mean, uh, why not? Um, so he was an important dissident voice uh, against the war in Iraq. And, and that is a, uh, again, good thing. <laughs> so yeah. Kudos yeah. on that. Um, and, and, and as as we'll like talk about and discuss it, you quickly find out we're not critiquing him because he's... Uh, um, anti-war let's say uh because quote unquote um, he claims not to be anti-war which is fine again fine i don't care right (laughs) well well it's kind of i kind of do care if he's going to be speaking at an anti-war rally yes yes (laughs) but yeah yeah but i'm just talking about as far as the as far as the stuff that actually has come out and 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 the the precipitating events to this it's not really relevant that he's not anti-war it is relevant like you said to the fact that he's speaking at an anti-war rally um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, in, in whatever case, uh, it, it, that's, it's less, I think, Im- important as a, as a, the precipitating events to, to what actually happened here. Um, mm-hmm. but again, he's not an anti-war hero. He was against the war in Iraq. He doesn't claim to be anti-war. In fact, he eschews that label. Yes. Um, so Lady Jane and I discovered, uh, the other day, uh, yesterday, was it yesterday he was removed? Lady Jane? No, I believe it was on the 9th. Okay. He was removed and we discovered it yesterday. Yes, uh, last that, night. Yes, that he had been removed from the uh, from the event. Um, after which, and this is why we found it, he decided that he was going to write a Substack article about it. And that's what began <laughs> Lady Jane and I on an hours-long uh research rabbit hole into this guy into his case into the claims made about him into the claims that he makes in response and all of the other bullshit surrounding this um thank you both for your service (laughs) i have not found myself in a rabbit hole like this in a long time oh yeah um I just want to point out he wrote the Cancel Culture 3 substack on the 2nd of February. 
the 9th of February is when he posted an additional sus- sub stack with the speech he would have been giving. So I just want to clarify. The greatest speech I never gave. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, in that, in that, in the course of doing, he this dude does a lot of sub stacking. Um, and he loves the carriage return. He's a big fan of the carriage return, <laughs> which I can't really blame him for. I like it too, but it's very strange the way that he writes. But, um, so I do want to point out a couple of things before we get into this. Uh, one of them is that um, I understand, I understand people's reticence with regard to this case. I understand why people would want to defend him. I understand uh, where that is kind of coming from. I understand why people wouldn't want to believe that the case against him has any merit. Mm-hmm. Um. For for a number of reasons, not the least of which being he's part of an anti-war coalition that that I would say we are part of, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so I, I can I can absolutely understand the the tendency to defend him. Right. Um, I do not judge people for having that tendency. I don't judge people for saying that there's some fucky things about his case because there are, and we'll get into that. Um. But <laughs> if you actually look into his case and you read the opinions of not just the, the uh, or not just the, the responses to his motions from the trial court, but also the opinion of the appellate court, um, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a, the case is a clincher. It's not it's not even like a like a like a question. It's really he he would have been convicted in any any case. Uh, even if he got his way Had on some of his given a retrial. Yes. Um, so this is the kind of, so this is the kind of research that, that we went into is we started doing more, uh, external reading from news sources. There was a feature written about him in the New York times called Scott Ritter's other war. We read that, um, uh, or rather lady Jane read that to me <laughs> while I was reading other things. Um, and we kind of dug in on this and tried to find out really how bad is this case really? Mm-hmm. Um, because lady Jane and I both, and I think she would uh, agree with this, correct me if I'm wrong, but really don't want to believe the government. It, yeah. I don't, I don't want to believe the government. And when I hear an individual like Scott Ritter, who's talking about how there were problems with his case, there were documents that shouldn't have been brought in. His new motion for new trial was denied that a cop perjured himself and they let that testimony in. I see that every single day and people still get convicted mm-hmm. and they don't get new trials and appeals are very difficult. So when I hear someone like him talk about this, talk about the kind of a crime he was charged with, knowing how devastating an allegation is, um, and further, that people are convicted of those crimes when they didn't do them, because it's very right. difficult to beat. Uh, yeah, I'm sympathetic, and I, I'm, from my own experience and perspective, I like to start people at zero. That's what they talk to juries mm-hmm. about. Can you start everybody at zero? You're not giving anyone the benefit of the doubt outside of letting them prove or fail to prove their credibility to you. So I'm not coming at it from the way that some people do, assuming that everyone who's ever been accused of something definitely had to do it. I want to see what the evidence is. Right. And so that's what I 
did to the best of my ability with what is publicly available. Uh, for, for example, there was no way for us to get a hold of the actual record from his trial because that's 50 cents a page. Um, and oh. yeah. well, I'm, I'm still <laughs> considering, I'm still considering doing it. Don't. Uh, I got, I got the paperwork. I got the paperwork. I have the form. I, I just, I want to know. <laughs> But it is 50 cents a page. Um, I'm not going to start a GoFundMe to try to get this trial transcript, but it probably would cost, honestly, um, without the attorney or defendant uh, discounts, for lack of a better term, uh, it's going to be probably a couple thousand dollars. So, That's highway robbery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oh, terrible. Yeah, no, it's, it, to yeah, get documents can... from open court. Yeah, This right. is supposed to be accessible. <laughs> Well, it's fifty cents if you get in a PDF. That's cheaper than one twenty-five for the paper copy. So you're cutting us a little bit of a break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they uh, so so that's that's the thing, and 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 I want to point this out too. And this is a this is a point that Lady Jane made as well. Um, we we don't we have done more reading on this than half of the people, greater than half of the people talking about this case. Oh, if not more, I I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, yeah, yeah, we couldn't get the actual trial transcript. Um, how many of the people talking about this case have actually read the opinion of the appellate court? How many people talking about this case have actually read the, uh, uh read his, his substacks about it and trying to explain it and listen to what he calls the gospel according to Scott? How many people have actually done that? Um, very few. <laughs> So I don't think I would ever do that. Uh, so I really appreciate <laughs> you guys doing it for me. <laughs> well, I say that to say, yeah, we we couldn't get the trial transcript. Big whoop, we've got more information than almost anybody talking about this. So and also the the appellate um, opinions are based on briefs. That's what the the kind of the supporting documentation is called. They're these briefs that are submitted in support of the appeal. They cite to the record. And the appellate opinion is citing from the record. So we're getting at least as best of an amalgamation of what the record could say in these Mm -hmm. pertinent sections as possible. And you're getting a better idea of it than you are going to from a spectator or a bystanders. That's also true for his denied motions. Um, they, they also cite to the record. They also do. They, they, they also have citation in there that, that actually points to what was done and said at trial and what was shown. Um, so the, 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 the point of all of that is just to say, I, th- I think we've got enough evidence to make a judgment call on this, and we certainly have more evidence than a lot of the people opining on it. I, um, I can't remember if we covered it, and this is completely my fault. Did we ever say what he was convicted of? No, um, no, we did not. Uh, and that's, okay. yeah, that's, that's kind of, let's kind of start there, actually. So... I, I think we should give his timeline of events. So, in 2001, Scott Ritter was caught in a sting having sexually explicit conversations with a teenager. Uh, I believe, was the first one supposed to be 14? Yes. And, well, teenager, it, t- to my knowledge, it was an individual. Yes. Was a law enforcement it, 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 officer. Yes. Pretending to be a teenager. Yes. yes. Uh, so it was one of those things where they pretend to be a teenager and then catch somebody. Um, I've got my own problems with those. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> but um, that happened, and he was caught 
trying to meet with a teenager so that he could masturbate in front of them. Um, he was not charged. Uh, about a month later, maybe two months, he was caught again. Doing the same thing. Mm. At that point, he was arrested and charged. Because <laughs> it happened twice. Now, you're like, we'll allow you to do it once, but twice you're, you're starting to push it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, he was uh, given... Okay, to hear him tell it, they had no evidence at all, and they dismissed the case and sealed the records. Yeah, that's not entirely what happened. He says he was never charged with a crime. Maybe he thinks um, that means, like, if you're charged, you have to be convicted or indicted. And, I mean, it's a misdemeanor. He wouldn't even be indicted. Uh, He was 100% charged with a crime. It was dismissed and sealed after he successfully completed, I believe it was six months of intensive counseling, as part of essentially a pretrial diversion program. Those happen all the time. It doesn't mean you didn't do it. It doesn't mean they wouldn't have taken it to trial if you wanted to take it to trial. What it means is, is that you got lucky enough, had a good enough attorney and a sympathetic enough prosecutor that instead of having to do a plea, you get to go, okay, mea culpa, I have a serious problem. I'll do counseling. And then they dismiss the charge once the counseling's successfully done and the records can be expunged. Uh, so they can be taken off your record and sealed. Now, I don't know what the, I believe this was in New York. Uh, he makes it sound like they were automatically sealed by a judge. That could be the protocol there. In other states, you have to pay for an expunction. Either way, they were under seal, but it is incorrect to say they had no evidence and that they were dismissed because there was no crime. That's not what happened. I would believe he knows that's not what happened and that's not really what the documentation says but he was given a chance to change course he was absolutely mm-hmm. he was given a pre-trial intervention pro- a pre-trial diversion program and he was told that he must complete x amount of counseling he did that and so i believe properly his records were sealed and he was uh, the the case was dismissed and and that's and he was allowed to go on with his life um that's that's the way it should work. Nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, at least from a, you know, you can argue about whether or not you should give people accused of these crimes pretrial intervention or whatever. That's not the argument that's happening now. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but but as the system functions, that that's the proper outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that all occurred in 2001. The records were sealed, and uh, he then goes on to live his life for for some amount of time. And then there is an event that occurs that he points to in 2003 as evidence of conspiracy against him. So he gave a speech at a college in 2003, and one of the men working security at the college was one of the detectives on his case in 2001. And he saw this detective becoming increasingly upset as he was giving a speech and everything like that. He never approached the detective, never spoke to him. But after that, the detective, he, to hear him tell it, the detective told the media about the 2001 arrest. And that is why if you Google this stuff and you set your you set your end date 
to like 2000 and 2009. Um, mm-hmm. You set the, the latest to 2009. Uh, many of the stories that will come up are from 2003. Oh, okay. So, and, yeah, I'm sorry, continue. What he says is is kind of the, the conspiratorial... Okay. Got conspiratorial? Yeah, yeah that's sorry. What, <laughs> um, what he says is the conspiratorial timing of these events is that in 2003, that was when he came up with his uh, six-point plan. Oh, yes. To the stop the war plan. in Iraq, and mm. that Saddam was on board, and that he was ready to do it, and he was going to stop the war. And then, well, they just had to come after him and stop him. So mm. that's when his baseless charges dismissed because there was zero evidence <laughs> happened to pop up because right. I mean he's the guy with a six point plan said I'm yeah. on board can't have that yeah yeah it's like well well possible that seems very convenient doesn't it <laughs> like extremely convenient look uh, I, for... I I you you won't find me saying that the that the government and its agents don't um, right. attack people who are operating counter to their plans I I, oh, I, I mean that's that absolutely yeah. happens um very convenient for him though yes <laughs> yeah uh, like you he, said, he alludes to possible FBI collusion in this, that he'd met with the FBI after this plan came out and that he thinks that maybe the cop colluded with the FBI to bring him down because the powers that be didn't want him to do the six point plan that would have stopped the war that Saddam was on board with. So that's where it starts to kind of turn into. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'd say paranoia, right? You're talking about like the shadow government, essentially. But right. that's where this kind of this line of uh, uh, very conspiratorial thinking begins. Yes. Um. So that 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 occurs in 2003. Uh, from there, uh, his 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 little coalition leaves him at that time because of the the news came out about his charges in 2001, mm-hmm. and he is incredibly upset about this um we'll get into that a little more later uh because boy do i have things to say about this man and how upset he is all the goddamn time um but (laughs) but later on um in 2009 he is again caught in a sting he is uh caught sending messages to who he believes to be a now this is the thing that's weird about this so he uh, the he was speaking with an, an a police officer in a Yahoo chat room. The police officer was claiming to be a 15-year-old named Emily. Um the police officer multiple times claimed to be 15. Ritter contends that this must have been fantasy or or perceived as fantasy because you had to verify that you were 18 to get into the chat room multiple times. I I I don't know about all that. <laughs> uh what I do know is the officer claimed to be 15 multiple times. Um, and at one point in the conversation, Ritter becomes very nervous having heard that and turns off his webcam before turning it back on and continuing to masturbate uh, for this individual. Uh, the age of whom he is at least unsure, right? <laughs> um, so, in any case, that occurs. He is then called by the police because he gave the undercover cop his cell phone number uh, during the chats. He is called by the police 
who this is all from the record. I'm not I'm not making any of this shit up. This is all from the record. This is from the opinion of the appellate court and from the responses to his motions. Um, there's nothing in here that I didn't read on LexisNexis. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so that occurs and he is told, uh, that he needs to, uh, give the, the, uh, police office or police station a call. And he later is, uh, charged. Now he was charged. I believe it was in 2011. Was it not? I am verifying that. I know this occurred in 2009. I know uh, his he was sentenced October 26, 2011. Okay, so he would have been charged sometime in between those two dates. He he waived a preliminary hearing and he waived an arraignment. So I'm not sure what the laws are in Pennsylvania regarding speedy trial, but a lot of those states you can waive the 60, sometimes 90 day requirement that they take you to trial. If you're out on bond and you have pretty good attorneys and it's a case like this where you're going to want to mount a pretty vigorous defense, it's not unheard of that the trial wouldn't happen for quite some time. Yes. Uh, and, by, by, and he says uh, months, I think, somewhere. He said months. But again, that's unclear. Um, the, the opinion that I read was unclear. Uh, they said sometime later he was charged. There was no, it's hard to nail down a firm timeline for what happened between the conversations between he and quote unquote Emily in 2009 and uh, when he was actually taken to trial in 2011. Um, so that, that occurs. He goes to trial in 2011. To hear him say it, the prosecution of uh, that case in Pennsylvania somehow learned about his 2001 arrest and he asked and they asked that the information regard that file regarding that arrest be given to them as evidence of prior bad acts now it is not uh it is not against the law this may be this may depend on jurisdiction but as a general statement it is not against the law for a, a a dismissed case, an acquitted case, um, to be used against you as evidence of prior bad acts. Uh, it is not uncommon at all, and there are definitely problems with it, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking about something dismissed and sealed. But it is the law in, I believe, every state in the United States, because they have mostly all adopted the federal rules of evidence when it comes to uh, character evidence. This was not just Scott Ritter. This was done too. If there's people have a problem with it, I have, I can direct them to a lot of places (laughs) because this happens all the time. Yeah. So yes, in the issue with his case here is that in fact there are injustices that are happen to defendants all the time. If Mm -hmm. sure, but he it's not him. It wasn't like they came up with this rule of evidence just to get Scott Ritter. Right. So they bring in the, they bring in this file. Uh, the prosecution discovers that this file was supposed to be under seal. They send it back, and then they move in Albany to have the file unsealed so they can get it back again. <laughs> um, they they win that motion. Uh, it was a uh, it was just I believe it was just the Albany uh, trial level court agreed to unseal it and send it to them. Um, they did so. At that point, Ritter and his team begin to 
team. He might have just had one lawyer. He claims to have had no money during this time. Um, Ritter. He he got together 80k for a retainer, and then he had uh, 250k that he had to pay afterwards. Yes. So he didn't have money, but he was able to get together enough for what would ostensibly be a pretty good defense team. Yeah. So he he was able to he. They then began fighting in New York against the unsealing of those documents. As they're fighting this in New York, he is at trial in Pennsylvania. Mm. And all of that evidence comes in because the yes, it was under seal, but now it's unsealed. The judge in the Pennsylvania court says uh, that under the because of under the logic of the full faith and credit clause, if New York says it that it's unsealed, it's unsealed and they can bring it in. Um, because the states have to give full faith and credit to the laws of other states. And so they, they, they did that. They brought, they brought that evidence in the evidence of prior bad acts. They brought in, I believe they brought in the officer who was the, the same officer who was so mad at him in 2003, uh, to testify against him. He testified in his own defense. Um, Oh yeah. Interesting. Yes, he testified in his own defense, and it was that testimony that allowed the Commonwealth to bring in this evidence. Because you Much can't just it. bring oh, in right. it was impeachment evidence. The, the, so right. if okay. he hadn't testified, this might have never come in. The reason a lot of the stuff he's angry about having come in came in at all is because he had claimed in his defense, he had claimed that he uh, did not know he was talking to an officer and certainly did not intend to talk to someone so who was under 18. Testimony. Yes. So yeah. when he brought that up, okay. they were able to bring in this evidence from the 2001 right. case where he had stated that he wanted to get caught, knew he was talking to a cop, knew that the cop was pretending to be underage, and had wanted to get caught. Oof. He said that because, in 2001, yeah. and then his testimony... Oof in 2011 allowed that to come in to impeach him because he was either lying then or he's lying now right like that's uh-huh. right so that gets to come in now so he doesn't and he talks about this case he talks about that evidence coming in as if it's some mystery of the universe why it was allowed to come in Nah, dude it was impeachment <laughs> evidence <laughs> but in any case so that's 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 what goes down there um he is convicted of the 2009 uh, crimes in part, depending upon the uh, the evidence of prior bad acts that was brought in from 2001. After that case, uh, after the close of that case, and not very long after the close of that case, he is um, the the he wins in New York. The appeals court in New York, the appellate mm-hmm. division of the, of the New York of the New York Supreme Court. Uh, overturns the unsealing of those documents and says they were proper. They were improperly unsealed. That was illegal. Nobody should have these. He then moves in Pennsylvania after winning that. He moves in Pennsylvania to have uh, to either get a new trial or get a new sentencing. And and the reason is that you weren't supposed to have all that evidence. You hung a good mm-hmm. portion of your case on that evidence, and so because you weren't supposed to have it, I need to get a new trial. Which is, I think, correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's correct, particularly because, um, it, to my knowledge, the judge let them in when it wasn't known that uh, uh, 
they were going to issue that decision saying that they shouldn't have been unsealed. Yes, so the, it judge happened, operated, the trial happened while the appeal was happening in New York. And the judge operated on the information she had, let them in. The remedy for something like that when it's when the trial has finished is, yeah, motion for a new trial. So let's just go back and redo this again because right. we can't undo it. And I don't think that's an unfair thing to request. Mm -hmm. The problem that he runs into there is twofold. And uh, Lady Jane, do you have the do you have the the appellate opinion up? Because the responses to his motions were appended to that at the bottom. Yes, I do. In the responses to the motions, uh, the the trial judge had said that it is not um, that they they were not illegally obtained when they were allowed in, which I don't like the logic of, but it's technically true. Um, and they were, and in, in law, technically correct is the best kind of correct. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that they were allowed to come in, they were, they came in rightly and they overrule all his points uh, for uh, a new trial or in the alternative for a resentencing. They, they say that no, all this testimony was allowed to come in and further, and this is the real kicker here, okay? Further, the judge says that it would not matter if the New York file mm -hmm. didn't come in. Mm -hmm. Not only was the state's evidence in this case good enough for conviction, but the facts of the 2001 case are all the fuck over Google. They could just bring in a news story about it. Right. Or they could just bring in the arresting officer who, according to, uh, according to Ritter, has a hard-on for, for burning him down. They could just bring him in and have him testify to his mm -hmm. personal knowledge right. of the event. So, I, I, and I went and I fact-checked this. I fact-checked this. I, I limited my Google search to before January 1st, 2009. So that's well before... Anything happened in the, in the 2009 case, or in the case regarding the 2009 uh, incident, January 1st, 2009, only before that, the first, if I, if I search Scott Ritter arrest, the first one, two, three, uh, I think four stories mm -hmm. at the very top of Google all refer to the facts from the 2001 case. Yeah, so they, they were public already, uh, even without, yeah. Even without that what, file being that's unsealed. What, that's what prompted the prosecutors to even contact New York. Is that because they did a Google search? Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so they would have had this irregardless. They could have found right. another way to get it in. There are multiple ways that the evidence from New York could have got in to this case. Right. Um, and so he's, so he's he, right that technically he should have had a retrial, but it was incidental ultimately to the ultimate outcome. It is. I think it's definitionally harmless error. Like what they what what's what is over broadly uh, described as harmless error at, at the appeals level and stuff. I think mm -hmm. this is definitionally harmless error. This evidence would have come in in a million other ways. And the case was good enough anyway to give you the conviction. So it, it's it doesn't really matter. Now, he really when he tells the story, he really hangs his hat on this mm -hmm. 2001 evidence coming in that shouldn't have come in. And he's right to. But he's only right to because it's the only point he has that has any merit. Uh huh. Right. 
Um, and so in the course of our research, that's what we discovered. Now, I, I want to I save his appeal because that's the timeline, all right? And I told that timeline in the form that I did because when he was... Hmm, okay, <laughs> so now we're getting into the Rage Against the War Machine stuff. He was on the, he was, he was up to be on the dais uh, to speak at Rage Against the War Machine. Mm-hmm. And he, when he was finally kicked off of it, he gave a, he told a, he, he posted a Substack about the greatest speech I never gave. And when she talks about how terrible yeah. it is that he was kicked off and other stuff, one of the things he does during the course of that is, um, and one of the things that he does in the, I can't remember, does he talk about the LP in Cancel Culture Round 3 or in, Greatest speech I ever gave. It's cancel culture round three, and that's where he pretty much explains most of it. the The best speech I never gave. It's pretty tame. It's pr- just basically the speech. Cancel culture round three is where he goes to clear his name and talk about how LP leadership had communicated with him. That's where all the I believe the email interactions are a reference. From uh, February 2nd, 2023. Shortly, uh, I was... Okay, he says in the... He says in Cancel Culture Round 3, Shortly after I was announced as a speaker, I received an email from Angela McArdle. Quote, We're starting to get questions from conservative publications about the accusations leveled against you, she wrote. Is there any way you'd like me to respond when I get asked about your past? I can link to your article if that's your preference. And the article referenced there is the initial Cancel Culture article. Cancel Culture 1. Um. His response, it's up to you. If this makes you uncomfortable, I can stay home. Feel free to link my article if that suits you as well, or just ignore them. Angela wrote back, quote, Neither of us, her or Nick, want you to drop out. I wanted to run it by you before I started shooting off quotes to reporters. I can refer to your articles and pull quotes from it. Now, that's a a massive Uh, oof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So it's it, like it's like you're not even like trying to come up with your own answer or verify like if these things are true. It seems they're just saying, "Oh yeah, how would you like me to respond?" Like you're there, like she's the intermediate between this. You know, it's yeah. like she's 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 putting herself in the position of a spokesperson for Scott Redding. Right. Just yeah. citing back to his article that. Right. <laughs> I mean. Uh, based on, and I guess we'll talk about this in a bit, but, you know, based on the way that some of these people have um, in the community have reacted to much less and uh-huh. called people groomers, this idea of like, yeah. well, link to your Substack where you explain what happened and like, we're good. I, I right. believe you like not a big deal. Yeah. It's given like, here's the thing, right? Uh, there's absolutely an argument that, you know, the, uh, you should be very skeptical about cancel culture because like there's these witch hunts and, it, it, you know, when people get into big outrage there's these witch hunts you should be very careful about accusations that you throw around right yeah that makes sense but they would never as you said they would never do that in regard to someone who's accused of being a groomer or something you know like that they'll never give someone the benefit of the doubt there but when it's their own guy oh yeah all the benefit doubt how many times have we seen stories come out from from when like when drag shows and stuff get get blown up all over twitter how many times have we seen stories of the actual drag queens who were there saying i had no fucking idea kids were going to be here I right. had I had no clue. Happens all the goddamn time. Like, yeah, and like I I obviously don't have any statistics to back this up, but there is at least some Venn diagram overlap between the people who were called the, the some people who were saying, oh, uh, you know, calling everything that moves a groomer 
and then the people defending Scott Ritter. Uh, uh, you, it may not you, be a majority. It may not be a lot of people. But. Well, you referred to one in yeah. particular uh, when you sent us these images. You want to run those down real quick? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is uh, so this is Daniel McAdams. Uh, he co-hosts the Liberty Report with Ron Paul. Um, he's uh, uh, I don't remember what his official title is in the Ron Paul Institute, but he's uh, he, he's essentially Ron Paul's like kind of like right hand man. Uh, and he's produced a lot. Look, I, I want to give him a fair shake. He's produced a lot of good stuff. He's been very good on anti-war in the past, and he's said a lot of things I like. But I feel like, in fairness, I ha- I cannot let this slide because it's just <laughs> too enraging to me. Okay, so his first tweet is um, uh, this. Uh, Do you want your kids to be forced to go to drag queen shows uh, with the with uh, perverts? Um, wait, hold on. I lost it. My screen went. Oh, there we go. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, do you want your kids to be forced to go to drag queen shows with perverts, or do you want to live in a country where it is legal for adults to sexually attack <laughs> your children? I'm with Russia. 100%. Let the, quote, libertarians, end quote, lose their shit over this. I'm with Putin. Okay, well, that's certainly a take on its own. But let's see what he says next. Uh, <laughs> Real Scott Ritter, at Real Scott heroically opposed the U.S. war machines. Uh, lascivious. <laughs> Hold on. He says lascivious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't even get through the whole thing because I just, I could not take the hypocrisy. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he is historically or heroically opposed the U.S. war machines lascivious appetite for a showdown with a life-ending event. So go ahead and bitch about this and that, but in your whole lives, you will not achieve as much uh, for peace as Scott has achieved. Uh, those two uh, tweets are on the same day. He tweeted those on the same day. Yeah. Without a sense of irony. It's illegal for adults to sexually... Actually, it's illegal in the United States for adults to sexually attack yeah, children. Yeah, it's illegal right now. Scott Ritter that's that's illegal guy. right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so we, we, we went through... And we read, so that, that's, by the way, that's the primary reason that this is even an issue, is because yes. there is a, a contingent of human beings who are willing to call any, anything, as, as they said, anything that moves a groomer. And in yeah. fact, look, this is the thing, too. This is one of the, here, here's the thing. Um, I fly under the radar. Ace does not. These people have called Ace a groomer. These people have attacked Ace personally. <laughs> They, like, this is something that, and, and I know he doesn't talk about it because he's a real nice guy and he's real, like, you know, not, not super into himself. That was a thing. But I sure as fuck will. The, he, Ace has been attacked on numerous occasions for being consistent with regard to a commitment to non-aggression, to not using force against peaceful people, and has consistently, consistently said that children cannot consent to sexual contact. And yet, people have attacked Ace and called him a groomer and called him all these things because of his position with regard to non-aggression. Now, again, he never brings it up because he's a good guy. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I would not say that. <laughs> but in any case, the, to see people... And this, there is, like, like you said, there's a Venn diagram, there's a crossover here between yeah. people who will run defense for Scott fucking Ritter and yeah. then call Ace a groomer. 
That's honestly the thing that pisses me off. I know Ace, I, I, I'm, I'm going to speak for you for a second, Ace. I know Ace is more concerned about the overarching hypocrisy from a bird's eye view. But frankly, mm. Ace being my friend, I'm pissed off that this has been the response to my friend. <laughs> That's what makes me angry. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, the, the whole reason that this gets brought up at all, that this gets pointed out at all, is to, to show the, that the standard, the bar's on the fucking floor with regard to consistency <laughs> with these people. It's on the goddamn floor. And Scott Ritter, people who are, who are going to come to the defense of Scott Ritter, again, I don't want to believe the government. None of us here want to believe the government. Right. Ever. I don't think it's a very dirty tactic for when people, if you think that there's something to this, that you're just some like government stooge or something, because that was the narrative going around in some oh, yeah. places for a while. Yeah, they were saying, well, what do we just believe the police now? Like, no. <laughs> uh, if you're, aren't libertarians really big into the Constitution? This man was convicted right. by a jury trial. So yeah, by a jury, there, if they're independent of what the police say or not. Exactly. So like, I, and, and outside of that, uh, Lady Jane has made the point that this was a jury that did acquit him on one of the, what was it, six or seven charges that were brought against him in the 2011 trial. So Which they means, were paying attention. Yeah. If they weren't paying attention, they would have convicted on everything. But they found that there was one of those charges where not all the elements were met. They were actually counting elements. I mean, I can't speak for every jury in the world, obviously. But from what I have observed, when a jury's not paying attention, they're much more likely to just go, eh, guilty on all counts, whatever. If a jury's paying it, you can tell that a jury's probably paying attention, taking it seriously, and not just believing what the state's saying. If they actually see fit to go through and, yeah, look at the elements and say, well, he did do these things, but he didn't do this. So I can't, I don't know the jurors. I wasn't there. The record is too much money for me to uh, acquire the trial transcript. <laughs> but from what I can see, he got a better jury than a lot of people did. And a jury trial is the backbone of our constitution. So for people to sit around and say that if you think uh, that he's guilty in any way when he was convicted by a jury trial, that, oh, if you think he's guilty, you're just believing the cops is absolutely <laughs> ludicrous and unserious. It's it's just reactionaryism, right? Well, if people I, I don't like say something, it must be wrong, uh, which is, you know, you might as well just turn yourself into a pretzel now and like, yes. become the mirror version of them, practically. Uh, yep. It's just it's dumb. It's, it's just dumb. Uh, j just because, you know, you're the people you don't like uh, uh, say something, it doesn't mean it's not true. And there are a lot of libertarians who do, like, I, I think over time, and look, I can understand the um, feeling of, look, oh, these people have lied to me. What else are they lying to me about? I completely sympathize yeah. and uh, agree often with that, uh, like, like perception, right? But that you should not, therefore, just assume that, oh, everything these people say is, therefore, incorrect, and I should not believe anything, no matter what they say. Uh, especially just, when it, it ends up bad. especially when at least in this case based on what we can find the evidence mm -hmm. is pretty clear right like, like and, yeah. and, and the fact that he testified himself and then he brought the stuff up himself and then it ended up firing on him yeah uh, exactly the, the other thing too is he has a lot of complaints about some evidence that he wanted to bring in that didn't bring in and we're going to talk a little bit about some of that and, and why it was totally fucking irrelevant to the charges mm -hmm. at hand um, but in any case, so, so he, he writes cancel culture round three and mm -hmm. in this piece, 
this is where it gets a little this is where this is where our research began. And so this is where things get a little scattered, but I'm going to I'm going to try to keep it organized as good as possible. Um as well as possible. The 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 <laughs> the research we were doing began with um the, the cancel culture round 3 and the best speech I never gave. Uh in in and talking about the the article that he references that in which he kind of tells the story, you know, uh, from him about what happened and gives what he calls the gospel according to Scott. Um, <laughs> now, yep. I've got what? that's that's found in uh, cancel culture one. Yes. Col- yeah. The article yes, that he's re- three. Yes. The article the, that he's referencing the... when talking to Angela. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. So in that, he talks about what he calls the, the gospel according to Scott. And he points people to, and this is him saying this, he points people to an excerpt from a podcast he was on uh, where he spoke about the events. And so I want to play that excerpt. I want to play what he wants okay. people to hear. And we're going to stop it periodically because he's wrong about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, want, I want to play what he himself says people should hear. All right, because I, I just I, I I I really want to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. And and Lady Jane and I both were going into this from the perspective of if there's a problem here, there's a problem here. If 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 this mm-hmm. is if this is unjust, right. then that cannot be denied. Right. Um, and so here is, I don't know if there's going to be an ad, but this is this is okay. The gospel well, according to looks Scott. Like we have a voicemail message coming in. This comes. Oh, I'm sorry. I should say beforehand. Um, this is a response to a voicemail that came in while they were on the show. And um, Lady Jane had a funny theory about the origin of this voicemail. <laughs> but Comes from Christian Cars in Belgrade. Dear Scott, Jeff and Tori, thank you for your uh, fantastic podcast. This is Christian in Serbia. My question is not pleasant at all, but I need to ask it. Uh, very frequently when I refer to an authority, your critics respond that you are a convicted sex offender, serving time from March 2012 to September 2014. How do you suggest that I answer questions about your credibility? How should we answer your critics? What have you learned from your conviction? What does Marina say about this? And uh, Marina is his wife, by the way. Scott, I am a big, big fan. If you come to Belgrade, I'll treat you for a fantastic, you and Marina, for a fantastic lab dinner. Thank you. I hope to see you soon. Okay, that's the voicemail. Mm-hmm. Now, Lady Jane theorize that perhaps that voicemail didn't come from nowhere. (laughs) That perhaps there was not a a man in Belgrade listening to this particular interview. I mean, there there could have been. I don't know. I don't know. I will say theory more. Yeah, I'll kind of like, look, this may just be me being a little cynical, but it does kind of tee him up for like a softball hit. You know what I mean? It really does. 
there is everything that you need to like kind of explain to clear the air. But now, like, I could just be being cynical. That could be a genuine person. But I, you could easily make the case that that is a setup, a, a, you know, an, an AstroTurf like uh, T-ball, uh, yes. softball. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, here, here his response begins. Well, thank you for the question. Um, <laughs> all right. That's a mixed I, I, don't to, I don't mean to smile, but what, what I'll say is this. If, um, if I'm talking about Ukraine and somebody wants to know about something else, um, if they want to know about my conviction, if they want to know about my golf handicap, if they want to know about whether or not I can sink a uh, hook shot from, from midcourt. And the reason why I'm bringing up these disparate things is they don't matter. They have nothing to do with the analysis I'm doing about Ukraine. So the second someone do, does that, it tells you that they aren't interested in the analysis. They're doing an ad hominem attack in an effort to shift over and create discomfort to get people to pull away. I mean, now, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, If someone is just like, like if you're talking about a certain subject and then someone is just like bringing in something else, that's just a non sequitur, right? Exactly. Um, and and, but, but, and especially well, something and, that's meant to attack his credibility, like a conviction for an unrelated thing. He wasn't convicted for perjury. Right. You know, he's, it's not right. like he's it, a convicted liar. Say, yeah, it'd be wrong to say he's wrong on these issues because of this conviction or something exactly. like that. Right? That's, that would be a complete fallacy. Uh, so, you know, yeah, don't do that. But but um, to be fair to the other, you know, on the other hand, uh, it's also not it's not like a non sequitur to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't associate with people who have this conviction. Either. Uh, yes. So, you know, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I, I, uh, exactly. That's exactly the issue here. And so just like this, look, this guy may have the best fucking uh, geopolitical takes of all time. Right. Uh, he, yeah. that, it's totally irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, he continues. I'm used to it. What can I say about, I, I think you put out the, the dates of March to uh, September. Um, first thing I would say is get your facts right. I'm not picking right. I'm just saying, you know, I was actually in prison from October 2011 until September. Uh, Not to split hairs, um, but he was probably in jail for part of that. Not actually in prison. If his if his conviction was in October, it might have been prison. But that seems, I don't know. It doesn't seem quite right. Uh, uh, so. You know, right off the bat, you you don't know anything about what you're talking about. You're Googling. That's very bad to do, by the way. Don't Google. Don't read Wikipedia. Don't Google because that's how the prosecutor don't found Google. out about your 2001 yeah. arrest. <laughs> I, I, I actually mentioned. Thing, I, I the judge. Sorry, one of the judges mentioned Wikipedia in the appeal. Yes. So I would not be surprised if that specific response mentioning Wikipedia is not just hey. It's not always a great source, but a little bit of a sore spot because an appeals court mentioned, hey, man, you can find it on Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the don't Google thing is kind of weird. He's like, don't look up information. Uh, you know, it's just, right. just like, well, yeah, it, if you want thing to say, don't believe everything you read necessarily, but also, but he's just saying, yeah, don't Google. Don't, don't do that. Google. <laughs> None of it's right. Uh, and I don't mean to be too disparaging. Let me put it this way. I committed no crime. Flat out statement. So now you want to talk about what I was accused of? I'll just say straight up, it's none of your effing business. None of your business. I didn't commit a crime. Do I pry into your personal life? 
I was charged with events that had no basis of criminality. This was purely a, you have to talk to the people that did it about the motivations. I know the motivations of some, it's clear. But the, the fact of the matter is I committed no crime. They had to manufacture a crime. Literally, I have the documentation that they submitted to the court that proves it. The prosecutor saying we can't convict based upon this because it's insufficient to prove a crime because we can't prove that a crime was committed. What we need to do is manufacture a case, pull in things and fundamentally do something. And we said, you can't do that. And the judge went, no, no, we'll let them uh, we'll let them do that. Judge literally allowed them to manufacture a crime. Okay, that's not quite accurate. The first the first issue here is that he says he has these documents and yet he's put them nowhere. Um, I don't know why he hasn't published them. He claims that he can't publish them because he currently has a writ. He calls it an appeal. It's mm. it's a it's a writ um, in federal court, uh, which is probably true. He's been writing pro se writs ever ever since this thing happened. But I don't. You go into this, Lady Jane. What 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 is he describing here? The the documentation? Yeah, well, this thing where it's the, the judge gave them the okay to manufacture the crime and all this other stuff. I mean, I don't really know what the hell he's talking about when he says that. <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what he's talking about. What I would think he's alluding to is bringing in the uh, charges from 2001 and testimony from that at that time, former detective who had been a detective in the 2001 case. That's all that I can think of. You will find that he talks about his paperwork and documentation very frequently, doesn't say what it says, and says he can't let anyone else see it, but will go on to say he showed it to every prisoner, warden, correctional officer, and that everyone has always agreed that he did absolutely nothing wrong, there was no crime, that they manufactured it. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But I think he's talking about, I I guess he's trying to say the evidence that he committed a crime um, in regards to what happened in that chat room was insufficient. It wouldn't have been, though. No, it, it, it wouldn't have been. Sufficiency of the evidence that test in most places is, you know, a, a scintilla of evidence. Or could any jury reasonably think that and normally you don't get to sufficiency or insufficiency of the evidence until you're in the appeal stage. It's probable cause to bring a charge. So I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what the paperwork is. I don't know what the documentation is because he hasn't posted uh, it anywhere. But he's shown it to everybody in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and they all told him, <laughs> "Man, you, you didn't do a crime." The, the head of the sex offender rehab program looked at it and said, "I don't even know why you're here." Allegedly. Uh, so that that's my answer for what is he talking about? Yeah, yeah, which is about what I thought. <laughs> um, what was that? Ace? It sounded like you were about to say something. Oh no, I I was I was kind of like uh, finding it humorous. It's just like I I think um I I don't know if I have the pictures here, but uh, I think Dan- yeah, here they are. Daniel McAdams was talking about like how uh, well you should just look into the story. And when uh, someone said, no, I did, and here's what I found, he, he replied with the classic, and we've referred to this multiple times, oh, so you're just going to believe the police? It's like, no, you told us to look into this. 
And now you're saying that when we when we found something from looking into it, now you're saying we just we're looking and we're like believing the police automatically. It's like, no, dude, that's not that's not what's happening. Yep, that's not what's happening at all. And if anything, the amount of research that um, that Lady Jane and I have done should mm-hmm. indicate to you that we're not just taking the cops word for it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I would never take the cop's word for it. Ever, <laughs> never. Yeah, you're telling a defense never. attorney that she's just believing the cops outright. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I was accused of that recently, uh, <laughs> but in fact, no, I do not take the cops uh, at their word. And every offense report I read, uh, I go into thinking it's a work of fiction and work backwards <laughs> from there. <laughs> um. All right. So continuing. And then we were prohibited from defending ourselves. I'll give you an example. I don't go into too much detail here, but it's a computer-based crime, right? I mean, that's what I was alleged to computer-based crime. Why then, when I tried to turn over my computer to the prosecutor to say, here it is, where's the crime? The prosecutor went, oh, we don't want to touch the computer. No. So then we turned the computer, spent a lot of money, turned it over to forensic uh, investigators. And they went through it, and they said, there ain't nothing here. So then we took it to a guy who spent 28 years. He, in, he was one of the leaders in the uh, task force against crimes against children. This is the guy that convicts all the bad people. And we said, we want you to go through the computer. And he wrote back, and he said, and I've got the letters. I mean, one of these days I'll write a book, and it'll all become clear. But I'm not doing that right now because I'm busy talking about Ukraine. <laughs> but, you know, he said, uh, we don't do this. And we said, why don't you do this? And he said, because everybody says they didn't do anything. And then you give us the computer and we find that they did something. And so we're advising you not to do this because once we go through your computer, you're going to have to turn it over to the prosecutor and they're going to nail your ass to the wall. And my lawyer's like, well, Scott, we better not do that. I said, give him the goddamn computer. And he did. The guy came back with a letter. He said, in my entire career, I have never written a letter like this where Somebody gave me a computer, said they didn't do it, and I went through it and found out they didn't do it. And he listed all the things. He said, no, he wrote a big letter. So we were going to bring him in as an expert witness. And the prosecution said, no, judge, you can't allow this to happen. And the judge went, you're right. We're not going to allow the witness. We're not going to allow his statement. We're not going to allow his investigation. Wow. It's a computer crime, but you can't bring in the guy that invested the computer. The prosecution wouldn't. Instead, the prosecution reached out and pulled a sealed file. Sealed. They got it. Okay, I want to stop before we get into the sealed file thing. So what he just described there is a series of events in which he tried to hand his computer into the state. The state didn't mm-hmm. want it. So he, so he then hired, uh, he, he describes elsewhere the contractor that he hired as, as former NSA uh, for, uh, digital forensic experts. Um, and so he, he, he gives the computer to them, and they come back with a report, and we did find the language of, of that report. What was it, uh, Lady Jane? Something about um, there was no uh, no indica that he was a pedophile yes. or something like that? Yes. Um, he wanted to bring it in, it seems, to clear his name and show kind of on their own end that he didn't have a propensity to this, which is a good argument if you're trying to say that from whatever came in from 2001 is incorrect because they're saying that shows, you know, common plan scheme, his motives. He's this kind of guy. Them bringing in an expert to say he's not this kind of guy. And I went through his computer and there's no, essentially what they're saying is 
I, I, I don't know what he's saying or what he's alluding to, so this is just my own guess, essentially saying that there was no illegal imagery on there. Yeah, kind what, of what, what I was being it alluded seems like what to. they're trying to do is dig up, like, does he have a bunch of searches for CP? Does he, does he have CP? Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like what the, that's what they were looking for, but the problem is um, none of that has anything to do with the charges against him. No, and you can't just, even though it would be nice, you can't just bring in an expert to say, no, nah, he seems like a good guy that wouldn't do this, because that's mm-hmm. not really part of it. You can He can still have fulfilled the elements of committing the crime through that Yahoo chat, you don't just get to bring in stuff saying, but I'm a good person and I don't have CP on my computer. Like, why would I do this? That's just a commentary on how most of the profiles of these people is that they would have that. But that's just a general common assumption mm-hmm. and that you can't just bring in somebody to say, he doesn't seem like this kind of guy, jury. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally I see terrible shit in computers. He didn't have that. Well, you can, well, but they, they would just... be a character witness, not an expert. <laughs> like, and And the... It's like, are the chat logs there? That's you, the thing. I, 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 can, I can think of no reason that a Yahoo chat log would be saved on the machine that he had the investigator look into. It, you can't just hand over evidence to prosecutors. I mean, you could try. It sounds like they did. If you go to a prosecutor and say, listen, he's like a good guy and he hasn't done a lot of stuff these other guys have. So here's this evidence that says his computer's totally clean. Like, do you guys want it? No, they're going to say, fuck off. Take it take yeah. it to trial. What do you, I don't care. It's not exculpatory. It's just saying he's not as bad as he could be. See you in trial. I mean, it's not relevant. <laughs> right. And that's why the evidence was kept out, is because it's irrelevant. The, the thing that he doesn't do, and that, that really kind of bugs me in his whole description of this event, the thing that he doesn't do is give any of the legal reasoning for why any of these decisions were made. I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. he doesn't understand his case. I think that's a very, very real possibility. Um, or because he just can't remember. I, I don't know what it is. But he doesn't ever give the legal reasoning for why any of this was allowed to happen. He doesn't say, like with regard to the computer, he doesn't say the evidence wasn't allowed in because it was found to be irrelevant. He doesn't say that. So, so right. the, there's no, like, he, but, but so we're left kind of picking up breadcrumbs, but that seems like what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he, it's, it's very difficult. It, it's difficult. Um, to apprise the situation, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth or say that he's not telling the truth about something that I don't know about. I can only base it on what's publicly available, what's in these appeals, uh, because he alludes to a lot of things, and it's like, I don't know what you're alluding to. Um, I'm not sure what would be exculpatory on your computer, so all I can come up with is this idea of that he believes he may believe that exculpatory means something it it doesn't. You know, exculpatory means actual evidence a person did not do what they are charged with, mm-hmm. not essentially mitigating evidence that, well, they're not really as bad as you think, so, you know, a long right. sentence isn't necessary. He's He doesn't have these other propensities. It, it, he makes it a little confusing because I don't think he necessarily has the correct verbiage, and he also seems to be obfuscating a bit. Yes, he does. And the, the, the thing about that's, I think what makes the most sense with regard to what he's saying is just that, that, that they, they gave the computer to a forensic analyst to basically say, okay, can you look into this and see if there's anything CP related on this computer? And the analyst said, no, there's nothing. And he tried to bring that in as exculpatory with regard to a chat that he had. That's the basis of the charge against him. 
But the problem is those two things are not, they got nothing to do with one another outside of maybe, as you said, mitigation that like, well, you might be able to bring that in at sentencing that like, he will look, he's clearly not actually a pedophile. He doesn't have any of this other stuff that, that pedophiles would have. So why would you be so, so, you know, as mitigating evidence to, to decrease the severity of the sentence, but it's, it's got nothing to do with the elements of the charge. And also, I mean, I hope this isn't a little too like in the weeds, but if you're trying to have mitigating evidence uh, in this kind of case, what you would do at sentencing, and I don't know if they did this, but what you would want to introduce that through is a mitigation expert who specializes in sex offender mitigation. Uh, You would not want to bring that in through an expert that searched through the computer who has no expertise and can't be qualified as someone who knows about the dangerousness of an offender. So this isn't even really being framed mm-hmm. correctly or realistically. Um, okay. He continues now talking about the, uh, the um, evidence from the 2001 case. Got it unsealed illegally. Uh, they, they submitted false testimonies, including the document that said, we can't prosecute him unless you unseal this file in New York related to the 2001 incident not found to be criminal they sealed it for a reason but they you can't unseal it but they got them to unseal it that's not true uh they they there is well i don't want to say that too broadly um it is unlikely that that 2001 incident was found to be not criminal what he describes when he describes what happened in that 2001 incident is pretrial uh diversion that not that there was no criminality there not that he couldn't have been taken to trial and convicted but that they got a deal whereby he went to counseling mm-hmm. and then they dismissed the case as a result of his completion of the counseling. You see this a lot in DV cases where you have, uh, you might have pretrial diversion by sending somebody to, you know, anger management or, or whatever they call that counseling, wherever you happen uh, to be. Yeah, what? they call it BIP in yes. most jurisdictions. Uh, Batterers Intervention Prevention Program. Yeah, uh, they, they got a lot of these programs out there. And the whole thing is, is like, well, what are they diverting you from if you didn't do anything? <laughs> are you are you being diverted if they think from there's not a crime there? Crime? Why are you being why are you agreeing to diversion at all? Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a it's a mess. But the but what he's describing as it was found to be not criminal is is I don't think reflects the truth. Um, he could theoretically be right, but it, it wouldn't match up with the stories he te- he's telling <laughs> at all. Because then there would have been no counseling requirement. There would have been none of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess maybe to play devil's advocate a little bit, there are situations where you take the pretrial diversion because you're getting railroaded. Yes. Not, they're not going to drop it. And so you agree and you go to whatever it is. Uh, a lot of times they think that people have a drug problem they just assume, and that's how they got uh, railroaded by the cops and something they didn't do. You go, you do the classes, you get your case dismissed, you can get it expunged. Uh, that does happen. I don't want to make it sound like all pleas resulting in pretrial diversion mm-hmm. aren't inherently coercive in the same way that any plea is. But it is incorrect to say that nothing criminal happened, they didn't see fit to do anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever occurred, whatever a person's reasoning is for taking a pretrial diversion, uh, it doesn't say it doesn't, anything about the merits of the change, case. Yeah, and it doesn't change the nature of legally what that means. Right. Um, okay, so he continues talking about this. 
we challenged that. The judge said, um, if you want me, if, if you don't want me to allow this evidence in, you're going to have to go to the New York court system and have the New York court system judge whether or not it was sealed or unsealed. We did so. Unanimous decision by the New York Supreme Court said it was done illegally. This stuff should never be allowed into trial. The judge said, screw it. We're allowing it trial anyways. And uh, But it's not it. What they allowed in the trial was only part of the total record. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll provide a hint that the public's not aware of. Um, I spoke at a, um, the, the detective that arrested, um, he did a computer, a forensic computer um, thing on my computers. They came and seized my computers. And he came back and, and, and wrote about it. And he said, uh, they're, they're, we found nothing on the computers, nothing. That's why I wasn't prosecuted. He's referring to the 2001 arrest here. There's, there's no evidence of crime here at all. Um, that report disappeared, by the way. When, when they turned over my file to Pennsylvania, that report disappeared. They don't know where it happened. No one, know, no one knows what happened to that report. But um, there was a whole bunch of other stuff in there, too, that disappeared, wasn't there. They said they turned over the total file. They did not. They turned over hand-picked things, which, taken out of context, seemed to imply guilt. Imply guilt of what? I was never charged with a crime in New York. The, file, the case was dismissed. The file was sealed. That's what you do in cases like this. You seal the file, never to be released. But instead, Again, he's wrong here. He was absolutely charged, or pretrial diversion wouldn't have happened. That's, I mean, that's... Is he getting charged with indicted, or is he just... Well, the thing is, he wouldn't have been... It was a misdemeanor, so, I mean, honestly, the the way that he's misstating things, though, I don't know if he really knows the the technicalities of which charging instruments are for what, Mm -hmm. but you're still charged with a misdemeanor. You just don't have to have it through an indictment. And, you know, indictments for felonies vary from state to state, uh, but... His charging instrument was probably what's called a misinf- uh not a misinformation. Sorry, a misdemeanor. <laughs> a misdemeanor. It depends on the case. Yeah. <laughs> a misdemeanor information. He was charged. I, I you cannot divert someone through a plea bargain unless they're charged. Yeah, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's really right. really basic stuff. So if our suspicion is right. correct that he actually did a pretrial diversion, uh, which required him to do counseling, and then it was, which is the timeline that's laid out in the in some of the opinions regarding this file, is that it was the the way it worked was he he had to go to counseling, and then they uh, dismissed the case, sealed the record. So. The, it, it has all the hallmarks of a pretrial diversion, even though he will not say that's what it was. <laughs> uh, he continues. Instead, Pennsylvania got it released, cherry-picked it, brought it into the trial, and they manufactured a case, uh, and I was convicted. I've been appealing it ever since. Uh, they, they told me, I remember going to the pretrial conference where I'm supposed to be grilled by my lawyers about what's going to happen at the trial, and instead they sat there and they said, Scott, you need to plead guilty. They're, they're going to put 40 years out there. You're going to go to jail for 40 years. I said, I will never plead guilty. They said, 40 years? They're going to, if you plead guilty to this one charge, they'll give you all parole. You'll never go to prison. I said, innocent men don't plead guilty, especially to the charges that are put out there. That's false. Uh, he's wrong about yeah, that. that. <laughs> that is yeah. demonstrably false. And also, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would be probation not parole. Maybe yes. it would be parole. I, I don't, you know, different uh, states call things different things. Yeah. It, it, people well, he's describing all the time and yeah. he's describing the sweetest sweetheart of deals I've ever heard of. 
And if I were in that position, I would probably advise them to take that plea. Especially given the evidence against him. The evidence, that evidence, it's like DNA evidence, right? DNA evidence, digital evidence, like logs that you can get from Yahoo. That is near impossible to overcome, regardless of if maybe the charge itself seems a little ridiculous to be uh, prosecuting with, you know, throwing 40 years out there. You want to do the best thing for your client and advise them, their choice being absolute. You know, you can advise them, but it's their decision. So it's his right to not take the plea, but he was not receiving shitty legal advice whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. people do plead guilty to crimes like this that they didn't do every single fucking day. And it's ridiculous and Pollyanna of him to sit there and say that that doesn't happen. I mean, it's a terrible situation, but he's not the only man in the history of the world to feel railroaded or to have allegedly been railroaded. Right. So this, his whole, his position here being that, and just to describe this a little more, you, you called it a sweetheart deal because the, the deal that he just described was, if you plead guilty to this one charge, we will drop the rest of the charges and the information, and uh, you will get um, essentially, essentially a, a term of probation. You will, not, you will not have to spend a day behind bars. Um, yes. That's a damn good deal. It's a damn yeah. good deal, I would think. You know, the one consideration with those kind of pleas is the fact that they always tack on sex offender registration. And there's a there's a little there's a whole there's a whole sub story with regard to registration on this thing that I I, probably won't get into because it's not all that interesting. Nothing really all that weird happened with it. Um, Well, actually, I do think it was weird that they labeled him as a violent sex offender. I think that is actually always overdo that, though. Well, I know, but I'm saying he's not wrong to complain that that, that wasn't particularly just. I, I don't know. think he qualifies as a violent sex offender whatsoever. Um, but he, uh, he, sex offender registration notwithstanding, I mean, when you're in this kind of situation, you get that plea and that's what they're offering. That's their first offer. That's not their, oh, it's set for trial. Uh, you, you know, last chance. Here's our best offer. God, I mean, if you're talking about evidence that's digital uh, logs, it's stupid not to take the plea. Yeah, you're not going to beat it at trial. You can't beat it at trial. Um, And trial, unfortunately, there's the trial penalty. And, you know, they didn't see him as a big enough threat at that time to offer him you know, only a jail sentence. It's stupid to think that public safety wise, he's more dangerous because he exercised his right to have a trial. But that all being said, he got a real fucking good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Up top. He turned it down because he's stubborn, which many such cases, <laughs> but this situation didn't really need to go down the way it did. And I'm not saying that to defend the state. I'm not saying that to defend the prosecutors. I'd never do that. Right. They have a burden. They have to prove, hold them to it. Great. I'm all for that. Yeah. But But when when you can see the charging instrument that they're going to get to prove it. uh, Yeah. Maybe, maybe consider something else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is not the witch hunt that he represents it to be, and it really lacks understanding of how the system fucks everybody this way. Yeah, right. Like, like if someone tells me, oh, yeah, just say you're guilty and you won't go to jail for years. Okay, all right. Uh, Yeah. You know. Well, that's the, I mean, that's what Clark Neely talks about. That's the inherent coercion of the police system. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
he continues talking about uh talking about the way this all went down i won't do it we're going to trial and we did and they lost it's a different issue um but i've been appealing it ever since when i went to they lost referring to his lawyers not him even though he took the stand in his own fucking defense (laughs) and i'm sure they told him not to take the stand oh i'm sure so Prison. You uh, try uh, what? Yeah. Tell you what. Here's here's a chance for all you studs out there. You want to see how manly you are? Go to prison. On a- okay. Here's where shit gets weird. Oh, so God. he does this all shit the fucking gets time. Really, shit gets so fucking weird. <laughs> this was a this was a left turn I was not expecting, and now it's just like. <laughs> well, he. Let me tell you. You're gonna find out about how he played oh, basketball <laughs> with the Crips and the Bloods on the same court. Oh, on the the same same court, and they respect him. They respected him. Oh, but but there is something in there is important stuff in here outside of his. um, I'll call it fanciful recounting of his time in prison. There's a there's important information here regarding the documents that he says he can't show anyone, but he apparently showed everyone in the Commonwealth of of Pennsylvania penal system. So here here he goes talking about. Oh God, this is this dude is so funny on a sex offender chart. Try it. I dare you. You know what they do to sex offenders in prison? They fuck them up. You know what they didn't do to me? Fuck me up. Want to know why? Because the first thing you do a sex offender does in prison is hide. They run away. They tell them, don't talk about your case. Don't do anything. I came into prison and said, read the fucking paperwork. And they all read it and they went, why are you here? I said, that's a good question. The guards even said it. Why the fuck are you here? The warden. Why the fuck are you here? None of them could explain it, but I had to be there because I was convicted in a court in a sham trial. Um, you know, you know who picks on sex offender the most? Gangs, Latin kings, Crips, Bloods. They don't like sex offenders. Um, when you go out into the yard, the gangs own the yard. So what did I do? Went straight up to them. I went and played basketball. <laughs> you got, oh, well, you played a game. Wow. Really? Go play basketball in the fucking prison, dude. Um, try it. Try and walk on the basketball court. White dude. Walk on a basketball court dominated by Crips and Bloods. It's blood in, blood out, bitch. You go in there and you have to fight your way on the court. You're fighting the entire game. Elbows to the face, knees to the groin. They're biting, they're kicking, and they're testing you. They're seeing what kind of man you are. And if you take it and you give it back to them, then you're allowed on the basketball court. That's the way it works. Um, I did that. I won the respect. Bloods, Crips, the Latin Kings. Um, And then the other thing that happened is because I won their respect, they turned around and they, you know, they helped a couple of them out with some cases. They'd come to me and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? I got three sentences reduced. I got a couple sentences thrown out. I got some new trials on people. By the time I left prison, there was the, the warden and the, and, the, and, the, and the administrator of the block I was on had given a pass. People could come to my cell to get legal advice, and there'd be a line of people lining up. And the guards were like, what the fuck is going on? We don't understand this. But... So there was that. So again, you know, sex offenders don't get treated like that in prison. I was one thing that he doesn't uh, describe is that there was the there was a, a therapeutic program that um, allowed inmates to go speak at high schools, and I, I guess he really wanted in this therapeutic program, and so mm-hmm. he was able to get on that, and uh, and they he was going around talking to high school students. <laughs> <laughs> he he mentioned that in the Substack that the prison waived uh, the no contact order. I would assume, honestly, 
with minors that they said, no, that's fine. You can go talk to high schools. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. I miss your... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I've never been in prison. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never visited a prison. I visited a jail. Uh, I don't know. If basketball games between the Crips and the Bloods are the blood in, blood out, um, to my mm-hmm. knowledge, it's when you step in and it's your first night that they try to fuck with you. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't get to, like, middle of the day, let's go walk around the yard. Oh, man, can can this sex offender prove himself? Let's play him in a game of basketball. Blood <laughs> in, blood out. <laughs> I don't... It, I don't know what happened, man. I wasn't there. Yeah. What were you but saying, Ace, if you misheard shot. something? <laughs> no, I it, like in the beginning it sounded like I, I just found it funny or like in a like a horrible way when he was like, uh, yeah, try going to prison for being a sex offender. It's almost like he's saying, yeah, yeah. go commit, you know, go. It's you a challenge. Go do this crime. He's like challenging you your masculinity. Yeah. To go <laughs> You're not a real man until you've been to prison on a on a on a, a, sex, on a sex kitty offender. charge. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> um but but you heard him describe he's showing his file to everybody. Yeah. He's showing his file. I don't know what he has right. a file for. I don't know how he managed to get it. He's um, just carrying it around on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, he's you know and he's just handing it around to anybody who will look at it. Yeah. Look at my file. Look at my file. Look at my file. What what, what the what hell? File. I mean, you, a lot of these guys get their records, their trial transcripts and have them. That's not uncommon. But I mean, he's not showing like a 2000 page trial transcript to a bunch of people. I just, what the fuck is in the file? Yeah, exactly. What's the file he's referring to? The Bloods and the Crips got to see the file like day one, apparently. Why can't I see the file? I don't understand what's going on. Well, you see, he can't show it to anybody. If there was ever reason to beat someone up in prison, it might be for them trying to show you their file uh, and making you read it. Uh, no, no man it's not we need to read this paperwork yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and do homework for you asshole get away yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no it's it's one of those, he, he keeps describing it like like he was showing everybody in the freaking penal system this file but the problem is that it, he won't upload anything he says I've got the letters I've got the documents I've got the where is it I would <laughs> love to read the file <laughs> Like, I am not being shitty either. Like, I would love to read the file. I love being proven wrong by the idea that someone was rightfully convicted. But he won't post it, and he keeps talking about it, and it's just getting very difficult to believe everything he's saying. I him in prison on the basketball court. Yeah, yeah. He's six foot four, I'm five three. <laughs> you can make that happen. <laughs> He continues talking about this time that he had in prison. I was treated like that. Um, and then the, the last thing is, you can't be paroled. I was given a five-and-a-half-year sentence. I was told by my lawyers that if you don't plead guilty to the crime, you're going to spend all five-and-a-half years in prison. Um, I was paroled at three years. How did that happen, you say? I didn't plead guilty. I didn't plead any. I, what I did is when I had to take this, this specific... Okay. So... Uh... I mean, I don't know if his charges were statutorily a day-for-day charge. I doubt it. Because if they were, he wouldn't have been paroled out. I think what he's referring to, because in some of these opinions, um, 
in in some some of the documents, sorry, I uh, recall seeing the, his the his attempts at parole. So the first time I think he was denied, and then it was maybe the second or third time. I'm not sure which one uh, that he was eventually paroled. It couldn't have been statutorily a day for day sentence where you don't get parole. That wouldn't have happened. Uh, most sentences aren't day for day statutorily, or they might have. Um, a 25% or 50%, 80% mark where it's a day for day at that point, and then you're eligible. I believe one of the issues with getting parole, particularly on your first attempt, is that they want you to say, I did it. They want you to be contrite, and they yes. want you to admit to the crime. Um, it looks like from what I read that in Pennsylvania, and I could be wrong, so this isn't gospel in Pennsylvania. They can take that into account on your first attempt to get parole. Afterwards, they can't. And okay, so his it, attorneys it might have been mattered. saying. I think his attorneys were saying, "You're going to be too hard-headed and not admit it." Like uh, having not been there and not in the room, uh, it sounds more like the conversation was about the realities of getting parole and how difficult it is on certain kinds of charges. Not that he was not legally entitled to it, but that you have to admit that you're guilty and show you're contrite a lot of the time. At least on the because, first attempt. Yeah, and in other places, doesn't even have to be the first attempt. I mean, there are people who've tried for years, and because they won't tell the Board of Parole, I did it. And, you know, sometimes they didn't do it, but because they don't say that and do that show, they'll say, mm -mm, no, you don't get to get out. So that could have been what he's alluding to. Um, but he definitely statutorily was eligible for parole. And I don't think he got out on his first time, but he, he did get out I, second or third time. But so what, but he, what he's doing is he's taking that fact and he's framing it as if I should have never even legally been allowed to have parole, but they gave it to me anyway, which is just not the case. So he has this kind of legend in his own mind um, vibe going on, which is what I kept thinking reading all of this. is like, <laughs> you know, I got out on parole, though. They said it would never happen. I was able to get the Bloods and the Crips and the Latin Kings to respect right. me, an alleged sex offender. But I made yeah. it happen. I have a six-point plan. Saddam was on board. I could have <laughs> saved all those lives. It, it's a right. little bit fanciful, and, but it's based in truth. Mm -hmm. He's not lying, but he's self-aggrandizing in the way that he explains it, and he seems to shirk responsibility for and things his, that happen. And his framing of it, you, you said the word obfuscation earlier, and I think that's a perfect way to describe the way he frames all this, which is like he frames the, the 2001 evidence coming in as if it was this massive miscarriage of justice, and really it didn't make that much of a difference. He frames uh, him being able to not get killed in prison as I earned everybody's respect and stuff like that, which I <laughs> doubt. He frames well, I, all of this stuff in this way that obfuscates the truth. I do have to say that with the sealed documents and how angry he is about it, that shit makes me angry. Oh, no, um, I agree. He, he deserved a new trial. He hmm. absolutely deserved a new trial. And I can understand holding on to that because when you're getting fucked by the system so badly, which everybody does, everyone gets fucked by them. The fact that they let those documents in and then another legal body tells tells you, oh, we would have never allowed that. It's easy to fixate on that. And I will say oh, that yeah. that's where I 
I understand where his anger comes from in regards to that. And I'm not like a hateful enough person to to think that just because he's upset about it, that it doesn't mean that it's true. I think he absolutely got railroaded in that sense. You know, I'm trying to be impartial here. Um, he seems like a real interesting obfuscator, but mm-hmm. there, it is fascinating that in everything that he talks about, there is this grain of truth. He's absolutely right mm-hmm. that he got fucked in that appeal, yeah. but it's, mm-hmm. but he won't admit. And a lot of people in this situation don't want to, he won't admit that it probably wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. And and it wouldn't have made a difference. That's what the tr- the trial court judge pointed out. Why it wouldn't have made a difference. The the appeals court saw that it wouldn't have made a difference. Like it's it's and this isn't uh, like I said earlier. This isn't the kind of harmless error, quote unquote, that gets bandied about by appellate courts as if every little error is totally harmless. So they're not. In this case, it's absolutely harmless error because there's other ways to get that evidence in that would not have been subject to the same kind of seal that would not have been illegal. That would there's there all the same evidence could have come in regardless of whether New York turned over the file or not. And that's, and that's what the trial court judge pointed out in, in, in rejecting his motion for a new trial was there's no difference in the evidence, whether this file comes in or not, they can still get the cop here to testify. They can still refer to all these news stories about it. You're not, you're, you're not protecting yourself from anything. If the file stays out, as an attorney, that shit does fuck with me, though. Like the oh, yeah. the harmless error thing, mm. I I do think it's a fucking cop out. Like, just reading it, I rolled my eyes when I saw. Oh, okay, but but it was harmless. Yeah, that sealed documents came in. Like, you can't. You're, they don't like to disrupt final judgments because they want to respect a jury's wishes. But then in the same fucking thing, they'll say, "But a jury." would have definitely still convicted anyways. We definitely know what a jury would have done and what a future jury would do. Like that, it feels like harmful error to me, but it's very frequent that appellate courts will call literally anything harmless error and bring up shit that I think is a little outside of their purview. But again, it's very typical. It is very typical. Not only is it typical, but it's also, it's also... In this case, given what was in the record and what would have been in the record at a new trial, um, I don't think it's incorrect to say the outcome would have been the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, I used to think that. And I having been in trials, maybe I'm a little too close to it. I don't like to say that any outcome would have been the same because I truly don't know. Well, I I only say that because it would have been the same evidence just coming through different sources. Yeah, but it's still like every jury's different, right? That's and true. so it it's just I don't like this idea that we have to respect the final judgment of a jury so much that it appeals difficult, but in the same opinion you can say, but I an appellate judge have a crystal ball and right. I know definitely that 12 random people that haven't even mm-hmm. been picked yet would have definitely convicted. Yes. Right? Yeah. That makes sense. I just think I, I just think that his his hanging on that is is a little ridiculous, not because he didn't get fucked. He didn't get fucked. He should have got a new trial, but because the evidence would not have changed from one trial to the next. He's acting like he would have been able to keep all this shit out that got him convicted. There was all this manufactured shit from the 2001 case and all this other stuff. And it's just not the case that all would have come in anyway. It just would have come in differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like on a human level, if I'm taking like the little attorney hat off. 
I mean, come on. Yeah, the evidence is pretty overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, he continues. The sex offender treatment course. They said, you have to plead guilty to your sex crimes. I said, I committed no sex crime. He said, well, then you'll never graduate. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I brought my entire file in. I threw it on the table. I said, I plead guilty to everything that's in this file. Everything in there, I did. I did it all. None of it's a crime. None of it's a crime. And they sat there and they picked it apart, and they couldn't come up with a fucking crime. This is the guy that's responsible for curing me. Uh, and, and he went, there's no, there's no crime. Then he went to the ward and he said, we have to graduate him. He did everything we asked him to do. They said, but did he plead guilty? He said, he's not guilty of anything. He admitted to everything and none of it's a crime. Um, and I went to the parole board, told him the same thing. They recommended me for parole. You should have seen. I've got the letters. I've got the paperwork. They're writing. They're saying, how the fuck are we paroling this guy? He didn't plead guilty. Why are we letting him go? Why is the warden doing this? They did it because I'm not fucking guilty. So, hey, Christian, there's my short answer for you, buddy. Um, you want to talk about that? I just gave you some ammunition. Talk about it. But do me a favor. If somebody brings it up, come the fuck off. Tell them Ritter's talking about Ukraine. Let's talk about Ukraine. If you want to talk about something else, that's your sick problem. To everybody else out there, you want to call me a pedophile? Politics my face. You won't fucking walk away. Blood in, blood out, bitch. But no, we're not playing that game. You're, you're a keyboard warrior. You want to sit there and, and type words and chuckle and giggle and all that shit? Fuck off. I apologize, Jeff, but, you know, this it's, it's just there it is. I laid it out there. Someday I'll write the book about it. It's a travesty of justice. I've been appealing this nonstop. There's still an appeal in Pennsylvania. If we want to talk about the court process and how that is. Okay. Um, also, that's the end of the clip. Um, yeah. So his perception of what went down, I don't think, reflects the reality in the truest sense, um, at least not in the way that he describes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, there was another thing here. That's the, that is the clip, by the way, just to, just to reframe and, and sort of recontextualize. That is the clip that he tells people to watch. Okay. That is the clip that he points to when it comes up. It's no, no, no. Watch. Mm -hmm. This is the gospel. Look, he calls it in this piece. He calls it the gospel. According to Scott, I believe it is. Yes. The gospel of, out of respect for those who are either unfamiliar with the gospel according to Scott, or perhaps find the argument made therein incomplete and unconvincing, I've decided to offer an expanded version in the hopes that those who seek uh, to engage me as a speaker or writer in the future might find it of use in countering the existing public narrative about my conviction. So this this whole piece is is reference to the gospel according to Scott, and that's what he calls that video. So that's 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 the video he wants you to watch. I find it entirely unconvincing. <laughs> <laughs> because the problem that he as he lays things out the problem is that he he obfuscates the legal reality of what went down um yeah. he acts like he acts like that 2001 case was a giant nothing burger and stuff but but everything he's describing would imply that he actually took a pretrial diversion on it um and that it's not nothing he says there was nothing criminal in there but i, I can see no evidence of that he says he has all these documents that he showed around the entire fucking Commonwealth of Pennsylvania penal system, but he can't upload them to fucking Substack. Right. I, it, like, it, there's, it's, I've got the letters. I'll write the book someday. Do it now. You love writing these long ass Substack articles. Upload it. 
Right. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to ask. Um, is there any type of restriction where, like, you can you can share it in person, but you can't share it online? There could uh, be. There, there could be. I know that here you can't make copies of an offense report to give to a defendant. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense has it now as of, like, 2015. We're allowed to have copies of offense reports. Uh, mm-hmm. You can... You, but you can't copy it. Like, you can't give it to them. That specifically mm. is a piece of discovery that it doesn't matter. Like, they'll, people will ask, they'll say, can I have a copy of my police report? Like, actually, you can't. It's a violation of the Code of Criminal Procedure. So mm. there could be a situation where he could, there's certain things that he can't make copies of. But letters, I mean, if it's a letter from um, that digital forensics expert that they wrote, in his defense that his team did, that's their work product or defense discovery, however they classify it in Pennsylvania. I don't know why that can't get put up. Like there's, I don't know why a lot of the documents couldn't be put up. They're probably public record, Mm. but charging instrument would be public record. Um, There could be some stuff, but I don't really see how all of these documents he's talking about can't be shared. Would would him making like a video of him going over it uh, in the video would that count as a copy or? Ooh, that's interesting. It might. Yeah, I'm. Police reports are kind of fucky too. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you know I actually do it very state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, once a case is done. It's a little bit different. That's too. what I'm saying. Yeah. He keeps yeah. saying he can't share anything because he still has appeals up in Pennsylvania. But the problem is his appeals are exhausted. He's doing writs. He's not. He is. He's um, as far as I know. Uh, and, and I'm not 100 percent sure about this. So correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely. Feel free. Anybody who has this information. His appeal was already done and handled. And then he's done a couple of writs after that. And he's done a bunch of pro se stuff. But as I as far as I know. His appeals are exhausted. All he's doing are writs. There's nothing that his documentation would fall under that would keep it to where he couldn't share it himself. I've had to pull public records for working on, like, pro bono type stuff on writs. Um, And it was all publicly available. Probably not every single scrap of the discovery that existed. Like, I didn't get the full file, but you can get a lot from public record. You can get a lot from free information requests. You're, you're, you know, you're not supposed to. You said you're not supposed to get the police report and stuff and give it to the federal. You can. I got you can it from, request it. Yeah, yeah. I got, all I did when I got arrested was put in a Texas Free Information Act request, and I got all of it. So it's one of those things where it's like you can get it. It's just not. It's, it's just not easy all the time. Um, and even and even in this case, I can't think in the timeline. Just trying to think of the timeline of the procedure. I can't think of any reason, unless there's something about open appeals in Pennsylvania for se- uh, for sex offender registry or something like that, which is absolutely possible. Unless there's something like that, I can't think of any reason that all of his stuff would still be subject to any level of secrecy. At, at least of all coming from him. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I you know, not knowing the 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 laws there i can't say for sure but it just logically doesn't really make sense that all of this would be something that you're not allowed to share because people will often share these documents and send them to attorneys begging for help now maybe that falls under like an implied attorney client privilege situation probably does but um it's a procedure representation it probably is but 
Yeah. It's just hard for me to believe that he really can't show us all of this. Now, if he personally, if he's deciding I myself don't want to share it until appeals are done, that's one thing. He has a bit of a hard time explaining himself clearly, it seems, um, or kind of comprehending like the realities and procedure of these situations. But absent him just not wanting to show his cards, I guess, even though he showed them to everybody at jail. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's what I find so confusing is that he's flashing this file, all these documents. He's flashing it all over everybody in the freaking Commonwealth of Pennsylvania penal system, but he won't put it on Twitter. Like, that's, yeah, it just that's what throws me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's talking about like how he showed all the bloods in the crypt. Their uh, all their mothers like the files, uh, but uh, but no, like ne- he can't do it now because he has an appeal pending. Like what <laughs> you're you're like last chance pro se writ. I I, I don't I, honestly. If he showed them to people, maybe they could help him. Like <laughs> that's the thing. If he posted all of his shit publicly, it's possible there's some attorney that would look at it, and if they actually saw a problem, they might be able to help. But but he's not he he won't he won't do that yet he's hanging his whole story on. To me, it's like you you keep referring to these letters, you keep referring to all this evidence that you do have, and we do know that the the forensic report that he himself and his legal team got done on his computer with his lawyer. It's his evidence that didn't even come in. It's not even tied to the case. He could post that tomorrow. There's nothing stopping him, but he never has. And so that, that to me is like, and the way that he talks about it, well, let's get into that a little more. So he talks about this cancel culture round three in this, in this piece. He spends a good quarter of this piece suicide baiting the audience. It is quite something. Um, and it's a real change. It's a real turnabout from what he uh, talked about with the reporter in the New York Times article in 2012, where he was very defiant. It's a change from the speech he gave at his sentencing. It's a change from Gospel According to Scott, Cancel Culture 1. Uh, once he hits Cancel Culture 3, I don't know, you know, maybe giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I don't know if maybe he finally felt like he couldn't be strong anymore and he was putting on a front. That's entirely possible. But there's two references to suicidal ideation, including one very long description of him thinking about how he could just end it all. His tone has really changed in the most recent explanation of what happened. He tells a long story about how he was a volunteer firefighter and he thought about just taking off the mask and breathing in the smoke. Yeah. And then there was something, um, he had a loaded gun. He was going to shoot oh, or yeah. something. I had a I, gun I loaded know. and I was gonna, I was gonna shoot myself. He, he's, it's, I think this is before though. I believe it's this after is the 2001 before. case. Yeah. After, after the mm. 2003, when his six point plan mm. fell apart. And I mean, I buy it, but it's like, you've been such of a, so like, fuck off and you should be ashamed for asking. This should have been between me right. and my wife, which is what he says at sentencing. My wife! <laughs> yeah, he, all of that. And then Brad suddenly, voice. suddenly he's like, no, I was really sad. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just really hard to get a handle on what the fuck's going on. 
And I really went into this wanting to just find out what the fuck happened. It comes off like he's trying everything. It comes off like he's trying everything to get people to overlook this. When the simple fact of his case is he got caught in a sting. Just like everybody on Chris Hansen's stupid show. Which was canceled because somebody, a prosecutor, killed themselves on camera. Yeah. That's why Uh, that show was canceled. I thought it was after the fact he killed himself. I didn't think it was on camera. No, they were there, apparently. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, in that show, I mean, I've watched that show and been like, oh, wow, the schadenfreude. And then you kind of take a step back and think, this is a little fucked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, he basically, it's a Chris Hansen style story. And, you know, he's make a statutory argument, make an argument why if you were in a chat room that was supposed to be for 18 year olds only and you thought you were fantasizing that that doesn't fall in line with criminality. Make that argument and say I was doing something really skeezy and, you know, I but I did that not intending ever to speak with a minor. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Talk about how right. you think that that shouldn't be considered a crime on the same level of, like, actually hurting a child, a real child, not talking to a cop posing as a 15-year-old. Right. But he's not even talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he, he, his, his whole focus is on this. And I don't know why he keeps bringing back the 2001 case. I don't know why it look his whole focus is on that because he got screwed over on an evident in the evidentiary sort of uh, uh, phase. He did. Um, and he keeps talking about it. But it's one of those things that, dude, it doesn't help you that you keep bringing up that you did this in 2001. Well, no, he keeps bringing up that he didn't do it in 2001, that nothing occurred whatsoever. That's what he's bringing up. Right. But then all you have to do is a quick little Google. And Which he told you not to the, do. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't Google things. Information yeah. is not power. <laughs> so the whole point of bringing this up, first of all, is to is to say that I don't I don't believe that Scott Ritter was set up. I think this is a guy who has uh, uh, not any more set up than anyone else who falls for one of those things. I'll say that. Um. I, I, I think that people are saying that it's like the FBI and the CIA were after him. In 2009? He wasn't relevant in 2009. Nobody gives mm-hmm. a shit about Scott Ritter in 2009. Um, and so I, 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 find that, I find that unlikely. I, I, I find it unlikely that anyone actually cared um, enough to actually go after him in this way. I find it unlikely, given the fact that he did fall for one of these stings in 2000, two of them, actually, in 2001, which is something that he overlooks uh, purposefully, I think. They didn't arrest him the first time. They literally just let him go. Yeah. It was the second time he did it. Yeah. They were like, all right, you get one free one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and there's clearly a, and this is discussed in some of the appeals, that he was engaging in a lot of cybering, um, that he'd been doing this, like he had an addiction to it, and Mm. bringing in the 2001 stuff through impeachment evidence, because he opened the door to it when he said things that contradicted what he'd said then. Um, Bringing that in does show, I mean, he had a common plan or scheme. This was his modus operandi. Whether it was sometimes adults or sometimes people that he allegedly knew weren't actually minors i'm doing air quotes 
his thing was that he would want to masturbate in front of them. So he has, like, a profile of what it is that he's trying to do. Um, and it seems like this was a problem for him for quite some time. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's so, so the point is that, and really, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I, 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 do I think that Angela and the LP fucked up by not double-checking this guy? Yes. I don't know who Nick is. I don't know what organization he's with. I assume it's the underwriting organization with the LP. Um, for them not to check up on this stuff, I think, is unsurprising, but still dumb. Right. Uh, but it's not even really so much about that. It's the kind of thing where it's like, look, you can, you can, um, hell, uh, if I'm being honest, I, I don't really give a shit one way or the other if he gets, if he was or wasn't kicked off of the, the dais. Um, that's not really the issue at play here for me. The issue at play for me is that you have a, a contingent of people who, in any other instance where somebody had a conviction like this, Mm-hmm. They would be talking about Mr. Chippy. Yes. Immediately, Mr. Chippy, yeah. he would be accused of it. They would have read the articles from 03 about what happened in 01. And it would be immediately, Mr. Chippy for you, no fucking due yep. process. We protect kids here. Yeah. And or, look, I'm but- be, I, I'm, I don't like to play this card a lot, but I, I, I have to, I, I think it's unfortunately true. Uh, if he was gay, um, I, I don't think people, I think a lot of people would be like wood chipper immediately. Exactly. Yep. I was going to say this. I was going to bring it up and I know that it's not popular. I don't yep. really care. This yep. groomer shit is almost entirely homophobia. You are seeing people yes. get fucking yes. huge passes because they're straight and it's yep. fucked. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. There's no, cause yep. there's no, there's no logic to it. The, 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 the whole argument about like, well, you're just believing the cops. First of all, uh, we've said it multiple times. We've done more research than just about anybody on this. Um, and, and, uh, so no, we're not just believing the cops. We, we looked at what evidence was available and, uh, based on that and based on what of the record is, is subsumed into the responses to his motions and the opinion of the appeals court, the evidence was clear. There's there's no outside of an argument about those schemes where you sting people with with adults in those chat rooms and stuff outside of what you think about those, which. Look, I'm I'm of two minds on them personally, so I'm it's not like I'm invested in one or the other opinion about those Um, outside of what you think about those. There's no argument to be made in this man's defense. And and so the the notion that people are are making these arguments in his defense, the same people, just as we said earlier with these two, the the particular instance that that Ace shared, um, mm-hmm. th- this this is where the fuck is that energy when you have an actual defendant? <laughs> yep. Where is that right. energy? Where is that energy when? Uh, if you're talking about the the like the kind of situation like like when Libs of TikTok posts something or or, or somebody's talking about groomers and the response is uh, and the response is like to the wood chipper after a fair trial of course right. it's like well he got a fair trial where's your fucking wood chipper yeah 
And as much of a fair trial as anyone accused of this as shit. As anyone gets. gets. Yeah. Let me tell you. There's no such thing as a fair trial in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. and there's no such thing as a fucking fair trial when you're accused of something like this. There just isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so where is that? Where is that fucking energy? Where is it? Yeah. Is it just because it's Scott Ritter? Is it just because this dude is, frankly, the dude, again, he eschews the label anti-war. He is, he is a, he's a guy who he doesn't actually give a fuck about war conceptually. He only cares about not going in to support Ukraine. That's all he, that's all he fucking yeah. cares about. I had that screenshot, too. I'll just post it right there. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, let's read this. Um, yeah. uh, I don't claim to be anti-war. Never did. There are rabid dogs out there, and we need Atticus Finch to shoot them. I do, however, object to the senseless shooting of healthy dogs. Ukraine is a rabid dog. Russia is Atticus Finch. Thus ends my lesson. Wow. Yeah. How benevolent. How peaceful. <laughs> yeah, right? He's really raging against war. Right, yeah. Uh, th- this has also been something that's just like, uh, it- it's gotten so annoying to me. Because, look, I can understand, like, allying with people who you don't fully agree on to stop some like you know some greater evil right I, okay fair enough I can, Kayla johnstone I can, is one example that. and there are people on the right yeah. who are examples too where it's like making making a single issue coalition on on staying the fuck out of war there are people on the right who agree with that and people on the left who agree with that and yeah that should that's a good coalition to build my my problem with this type of like um alliance though with certain people is that from from a libertarian perspective? This is, this is a libertarian event. Even even though there's not speaking, it is a libertarian event hosted by libertarians primarily. Um, it's like, look, if your only opposition to war is that you don't like uh, or you like one side and you don't like the other, uh, I, and he even more well, he even admits he's right. So like, um, it's like if you're going to be anti-war. And you're a libertarian. You should be anti-war because oh, this murders innocent people. That yeah. that that's at least my uh, view of that. Um, it shouldn't be because oh well, you know, um, you know, th- sure. Look, you can uh, analyze the geopolitical reasons for the Ukraine Russia conflict, but it's very um, kind. It's almost very insidious, and I, I don't mean to say that the the individuals are being intentionally insidious, but there is a certain insidious nature. When people are like giving Russia, like hand waving away, away uh, Russia's aggression, which they are. Russia is aggressing against the citizens of Ukraine. That to me is unequivocally true. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean th- there should be U.S. involvement. That doesn't, you know, none of that. But the, th- there is a certain truth to it. It's like, look, yeah, both of these countries are aggressors. They're aggressing in different people at different times. But it's both of them are. Right. And to me, there's a certain strain where people are just so unwilling to even say that Russia is also aggressing because they're scared that's going to lend credence to what, you know, going to war with them or something. It's the it's the inherent dishonesty, I think. And I think there's a reason that the Venn diagram looks like it does with these people. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the same people who have elected to um, sacrifice uh, consistency and sacrifice uh, intellectual honesty on the altar of the culture war. Um, and it's yeah. the same thought process for both. They, they don't want to, they don't want to criticize Russia because they're afraid that that will lend credence to their cultural enemies. Not well, because they're it, concerned about the truth yeah. of the matter. 
And that's what a lot of like the pro-Ukraine people believe, too. They're unwilling to criticize anything Ukraine does because they think they'll give credit to Russia. Oh, that's why so nobody would admit that they're fucking Nazis uh, <laughs> in the Eastern Ukrainian, uh, in the Eastern Ukrainian divisions. Right. There's full fucking Nazis oh, and nobody wants yeah, to admit that. Don't get me fucking started on that. Like, when all of that happened, that shit fucked me up. I was in fights with family members saying, you realize they would have fucking slaughtered us with a smile on, on their faces, right? Right. Like, if, if it had been back in the day, okay? Like, this is not their right. fucking Nazis. Not even like a weird prog, oh, everybody's Nazi. Literal yeah. Nazis. Actual, yeah, no, actual yeah. Nazis. Yeah. Actual, like, black sun wearing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then so the the... the, the the just like that that's that's the there's a reason the diagram looks like it does the people who will yell groomer are also defending scott ritter um and there's not cancel culture to call someone convicted of this with from a jury trial a convicted sex offender it's not cancel culture that right he is a convicted drag, sex and offender. And queen exists, a drag queen existing is a groomer yeah. and like a teacher, like an elementary school teacher that st- her students know just married a lady is a uh-huh. groomer. Having yeah. books about gay people is grooming, but actually fucking three times getting caught doing yeah. shit online, twice trying to meet up, once masturbating to completion in front of someone <laughs> saying they're a 15 year old. That's not grooming, but yeah. fucking perks of a wallflower being in a fucking library is grooming. Right. Gay people existing yeah. is grooming. Fuck off. It yes. It infuriates yes. me. Yeah. Yeah. The the public, it, it really does seem like what they define as grooming is just the public existence of queer people. Uh, like, yes. Yeah. And then. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole thing. It's the yeah. whole thing. And this yeah. isn't to say, by the way, this isn't to say either that there isn't, uh, uh, that there aren't aspects or or not aspects um enclaves of people who do like to confuse kids and fuck with them and and make them think things that they're not sure. and things like that those those things absolutely exist um there's a whole reddit but subculture not surrounding the same it. as if it was a straight person doing the same exactly thing, which... exactly i mean people uh, oof, how, how do I... <laughs> she's mad <laughs> yeah i'm mad um because, you know, okay, as somebody that was very progressive, more skeptical and not that insane, but I was very progressive. Mm-hmm. I was a Hillary voter. I voted for mm-hmm. Bernie in the primaries of 2015, uh, or was it 2016, whenever the hell that was. I voted for Elizabeth Warren in the last primary. COVID mm-hmm. changed a lot of that. Law school changed a lot of that. And it made me reevaluate things that I had already been skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> but I still have some of that... I guess prog, right? For even sure. though that's like a nasty word, um, in me, and I yeah. don't like homophobia. Yeah, <laughs> I find it um, wrong and repugnant. Yes, yes. And sure, there's gay people and trans people and people of every different mm-hmm. identity, straight, whatever, that have done this. And yes, there are insidious enclaves yeah. on the internet where there are kids that are getting influenced in ways that they shouldn't and adults yes. doing things they shouldn't. And yeah, it can fall under areas of kids looking for support who are queer. 
And but they're making such a big fucking deal of that. And somebody got convicted by a jury trial and I'm supposed to sit back and say, I'm like, I like cancel culture. Right. Sure, right. it exists. Every yeah. single group has people that are bad, evil exactly. actors. Like if I went like it would be so unfathomable to me or, or wrong of me if I went to like someone who was a Catholic and I thought that they, I accused them of pedophilia because, oh, you know, there's a, you know, Catholic pedophiles. Right? Yeah. Uh, or like, even as was, as was in the no. news recently baptists oh right. it's it's every religious organization yeah. there was a huge thing um in the orthodox community orthodox not greek orthodox the orthodox jewish community that came out insular groups where people you know basically worship these these religious leaders it happens everywhere and it happens yeah if anything it should show that every single group of people is vulnerable to having predators in them. Yeah. That's not making, them. And that's not yeah. making excuses he, for it. To say it's everywhere is not making excuses for it. It's saying we right. should be accurate when we talk about it. Right. It's like, it's just been, it's always been, and this is, when this whole thing, like, I, I always thought this was just like a common sense thing that, hey, yeah, there are like very bad people in every group and you shouldn't let those people like, uh, color, like, uh, you know, portray the rest of the group badly right yeah like all those other people are individuals you don't know them they've never done anything to you that you can substantiate so why are you blaming them for what some like a, a small minority of bad people did associated with that group like that that just seems so totally common sense to me and the fact that other people don't see that makes me kind of upset uh it's, it is upsetting because it, it ins- it's incentivizing stupidity um, yeah. and, and it's encouraging, uh, it is encouraging a sort of response that is going mm-hmm. to be equally lacking in nuance. Um, right. If you're not, if you if you if your position on these things is, is so lacks nuance to the degree that your, your, uh, your, your position on gay mm-hmm. people generally or trans people generally is that all these people want to yeah. fuck kids. Um, I, 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 sorry, I, you, you are asking for the boxcars. You're, you've proven you're a threat. And so as soon right. as somebody gets in power who disagrees with you, you're the first on the boxcar. Not fucking me. People have been doing this for decades. I grew up with yes. it. The whole, it's not anti-gay, right? We're not homophobic. Uh-huh. It's that we're protecting children. Still. We're protecting God. children. This dude fucking tried to meet up with two kids. To masturbate and, in front yeah, of them. And they, yes. yeah, they use children as political props because when, when they're actually harmed by one of their own in-group, they do not care most of the time. Like, that's not that's a general statement. That's not true of all of them. But a lot of these people, when it's a, a person in their own in-group doing it, they do not care. We've talked about the Venn diagram. It, it's, it's a crossover of people. It's not, it's not, yeah. a, it's not a 100% accurate statement across the board. Um, right. But yeah, they don't give a fuck. The, the, the people who fall in the middle of that dim, Venn diagram don't care. Well, they yeah. don't care about protecting kids, apparently. But I no, thought that no, was the no, whole no. thing. They don't care no, about protecting kids. They care um, about protecting people that... Um, <laughs> They idolize, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, or people, they care about protecting. It's, it's more their cynical own... than that. It's people who they think are useful. It's way more cynical than any kind of idolizing. Or Scott Ritter's a hero of mine, and I'm just so disappointed that anybody would I say it's not that. I think there is that in group. I think there. I do think there is that in group tribalism to it. But I do agree that there's also a oh, this person's useful, so I'm going to 
things I wouldn't overlook if they were out. Right. Yeah. I just can't. I, I, I just. Uh, ugh. Um, it's, it's, yeah. And that's why this matters, I think. And that's why uh, that's why. Um, so I guess I, I guess I kind of I didn't really even ask. I just I just I texted Ace and said we've been looking into this for hours. Um, do you mind if Lady Jane comes on the show and we talk about this? I, I guess it was kind of a unilateral thing on my part, but um, oh, but I, I, yeah, I, I'm very glad. <laughs> well, I was, I, I was gonna say I guess that's why I decided that it was time to talk about it because it's the response has been so mind boggling. And its lack of yeah. consistency. And to be um, fair, to be fair, I do want to I do want to be fair here. The, I, there have been people like, "Hey, I've been a part of this whole time. Um, this is a step too far for me. I can't support this." And those people, I respect good their on consistency. Them. Good on yeah. Yes, there are people on. who have said, "You know what? I I was incorrect." Yeah, and that's there I are people wanted who said that when it was Tom incorrect. Woods too. <laughs> I mean, there there were people who said that when that shit about Tom Woods came out too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, good on them. I really wanted to be somebody that said, sorry for those little sassy tweets that I, that I popped off. I uh, read through everything and you know what? I shouldn't have just believed it. I wanted to be proven wrong. Yeah. But I, I don't think I was. No, all of the, all of the, when you actually dig in on this story, when you actually dig in on this case and read the opinions and read the responses to the motions and read the evidence that was brought in, you, 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 when you actually dig in on it and look at it, uh, yeah, nah, it's a solid case. There's really no, uh, there's really no way about around that. Yeah, there was, there was, a, there's an evidentiary yeah. problem that I think he should have gotten a new trial from. I, I, I absolutely think that's true. And if any anywhere that he has said he should have got a new trial, he's right. But, <laughs> um, the evidence in that new trial probably wouldn't have changed. And based right. on the evidence that was at this trial, I, I just, there's just no two ways about it, man. Like and ultimately, he, I, I think, uh, sorry to cut you off. I, I, no, say, I think it. ultimately the main, the main point for me is that, uh, and I, I mean, I'm kind of being a dead horse here, but they're giving him the benefit of the doubt. They would never, never give, never anyone give anyone else. else. Yeah. Never. Yeah. We spent yeah. what? Like, uh, over two hours talking about this. Uh-huh. They spend mm-hmm. three seconds watching a libs of TikTok and some right. suddenly a fucking groomer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess what I would say to the people who are defending Ritter right now is keep that energy. Yeah. Keep that. Yeah. Make, I would if you to see that. If you think it's that if you think it is that easy to railroad a guy like this, if you think it is if you if you if you think that anyone, anyone who puts themselves in a position where they're saying that the the yeah well you know the conviction was probably deserved is probably a solid case if you think anyone doing that is just a shill believing the cops keep that energy i'm proud of you keep it keep that up yeah yeah they're not going to <laughs> no <laughs> no but i wish it's going to be it's going to be mr chippy for everybody else and they're going to go ha 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 right. ha ha and you know oh let's just fucking kill them and we yeah. hate people that hurt kids all right okay Sure. Yeah, sure. wow. You and every other person <laughs> practically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that gets me too is people are like, but you don't understand. I don't want children abused. Yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. It's like amazing. a common thing. Like, yeah, amazing. Incredible. <laughs> you're not a good human if you think that people should be able to assault children. It's like, oh, like, wow. Yeah, yeah. That makes Crazy. you a bad guy. Yeah. yeah, it's a horrible thing to do. It's one of the worst things that yeah. a person could do. 
Yeah. And the fact that, and here's the thing, the facts in the 2009 case against Ritter are not, I don't think, as bad as the facts of the 2001 case against Ritter. <laughs> like, the, the 2009 case against him, if he can convincingly make the case that, look, you had to verify your age multiple times before getting in that chat room. I had no reason to believe that that person wasn't lying when they said they were 15. I thought it was all fantasy, whatever. You know what? I'll buy that for a dollar. But what I need tomorrow, then, is why the fuck were you trying to meet up with someone who you did believe was a minor in 2001? Well, he says he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said that he was doing it to get caught because he needed to stop trying to meet up with women to masturbate in front of them. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, it's a, that is one way to try to get yourself caught. Um, <laughs> you could just not have a computer. <laughs> yeah, you could just not have a computer. It wasn't impossible <laughs> in 2001 to just not have a computer. <laughs> it was easier to not have a computer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what, was he checking his Facebook status? Like, I don't, it was a fucking 2001. There wasn't yeah, anything to right. do on the internet except for Yahoo right. Chat. So, it's one of those things that I, I find, uh, I, I just, look, I, the case against him is a solid case against him. Uh, and so people who are defending him, I, I, I understand. I absolutely yeah. understand more than most the temptation to defend this guy for all this stuff. And, and, and look, if you still want to fine, have at it, man. Like there's, there's a lot for him to answer for here and he does a very bad job when he tries, but if you still want to defend this guy, uh, I, I'm not going to fucking I would be, stand in your way. I would be the happiest, one of the happiest people imaginable if they just uh, were like, hmm, every time someone was accused of something like this, they were like, hmm, well, maybe, well, let's hold on a second. Wait yeah. a if they yeah. were like that, I'd be so happy, but yeah. they're not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're not. It's, that's 100% correct. If, if they want, if they still want to defend this guy, yeah, keep that energy. You, yeah. you, you maintain Absolutely. that. You maintain that. But, yeah. If you're just defending Scott Ritter because it's Scott Ritter, because he's useful, or because he's part of your movement, or because of you're you're that's just it's deeply, deeply dishonest. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not going to serve you well in the future. It will, it will come back to bite you in the ass. But when everything yeah. that you say is met with, well, you were defending this fucking guy, right? Um, and like, look. I, I don't want to. I don't want this to come across as just like me shitting on the Mises Caucus people. Because look, I I mostly like uh, in on just terms of like policy, right? Not cultural. I agree with the Mises Caucus on a lot. Well, there but were a lot of the Mises Caucus get... related guys who were really good on this on Ritter. Yes, they were. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to make this about like the Mises Caucus. Yes. There were a lot of guys related to that organization that were really, really good on Ritter the entire time. Yes, but so like while on like individual policy positions. I agree with them on a lot. Uh, when they wade into the culture war stuff, I roll my eyes backwards into my head, uh, and it makes me like irra sometimes irrationally upset that like people who like I consider are very smart people start dipping their toes into like culture war issues, and like I, I can't speak to like the motives of it, right? Uh, but it's like I don't know if they're trying to appeal maybe to like people who are already engaged in the. I don't, I don't, I can't, I, I don't know that. Yeah. I cannot definitively speak on that. It's I hard know, to discern their motives. But like, it, yeah, but it's just like, it's like, you don't need to do this. Like, you don't, you can just not uh, wade into bullshit or stuff uh, in this way. And yeah. It just, it, I don't know, and, for, just, and for many of them, not many of them, for, for those of them that are hypocritical on this, uh, it, it keeps you from having to deal with this. 
Yeah. yeah. It keeps you from having to deal with being a hypocrite on this issue because just right. like that, you could just not. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could just not. <laughs> so it's, it's just like that. So the Ritter thing, it, we've, it, I think we've pretty much covered it. And, and the I, reason for talking about yeah. it, I think it's not, and it, here's the thing. It's not even to say that this is necessarily bad on geopolitics or, or on, on, on this particular war. It, it's, it's, he might be great on it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not <laughs> the issue. Um, and here's the thing. If he is, I, I, honestly, just like I said earlier, I don't care if he gets removed from the speaking engagements. I, don't, right, I really right. don't care. Cause I, yeah, I, I was not even the one call. I, I'm not like calling for him to be removed. Now, I, I, I do think the, the pro-war thing is kind of like maybe, yes. maybe reconsider this guy. Uh, but given their past statements, it's like I, I just find the hypocrisy of the to be honest uh, yeah it's yeah 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 that's um, the problem and and so yeah. just uh, just like this and like i said earlier i i agree with him really when it's like well what do you say when somebody brings up the brings up the the cases or whatever and it's like well that's not really relevant to ukraine um he's yeah. right yeah he absolutely is yeah yeah uh, but <laughs> if you're going to have a, if you're going to have a, a contingent of people who are very, very concerned, very, very, and, 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 uh, and, um, I'm sure honestly and earnestly concerned about the well-being of children. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta be consistent on that. Yeah. And, and you and it can't oh. just be that this guy told me, I heard from this guy, there's nothing to bother me. A lot of people saying this. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to break into this, but it's. No, no, it, you're fine. You're fine. This bugged me. Yeah, this bugged the hell out of me. This guy. I heard from this guy over here that the whole thing was a bullshit charge and the yada yada and also and it's like oh, okay, but what did that guy do? Like, did that guy read the? Right. Did that guy read all all of this? And and have right. you read all of this? Like, what what's the what's the level mm-hmm. of research we're talking about here? Because if you're not going to learn anything from reading his stuff, no. <laughs> if you read his stuff, stacks the documents. Yeah. Give me the documents. Give me the book. Get me a trial transcript. I will fucking read it. But all he's doing is like, no, it was fake. All right, I've not met a lot of people convicted of crimes who are like, nah, man, I did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In any case, I'm sorry, Ace. You were saying something before I broke into that. No, I, I was just going. I was just going. No, I, I, I think that's important. I was just going to say that uh, on. Uh, we talked about this actually before we started recording, but there was one take I saw from a person. I'm not going to name them because I don't. I'm not really care about like naming them at all. But um, uh, not for a disrespectful, but just because it's not important. Uh, the 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 thing they were saying is the most important thing, which is that they, they made it a, a tweet that I found uh, very unfortunate was to say that if your aunt essentially i'm not i don't have paraphrasing it um essentially if you're anti-war you should support russia because russia will bring the war to the end quickest and that that is that should be our goal as anti-war people is to bring the end the uh, the war to the end right but that line of reasoning really brings you over to a neocon argument it's like well you know Assuming that dropping the nukes on Japan ended the uh, like they said in, in the quickest way possible, that seems to indicate that we should be pro America bombing Japan. Well, that was the, the whole justification the for the shock and awe campaign. Yes, yes. Uh, 
So the reason it was called shock and awe. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very unfortunate line of reasoning to use uh, anti-war people. Um, that was the reason for the surge. Especially, and the person who made the tweet was a libertarian, or claimed to be a libertarian, right? So it's like, I, I kind of expect more from you uh, than that. Um, yeah. So that's kind of always disappointing. Then parroting uh, fucking uh, neocon talking points about... Right. Well, the most important thing is that we bring it to a close quickly. Okay, well, then let's just glass them. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know what? You know the best way to end uh, suffering? Nuke every person on the planet. We can end human suffering tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a that's a nonsense argument. It, it's a yeah. it's a nonsense argument that supports. You're missing the point of the libertarian case against. Uh, you're missing the point. Yeah, yeah, and not just that, but you're 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 actively supporting the more horrific sides of war. <laughs> yes, um, you're actively supporting things like the shock and awe campaign, like the surge in Afghanistan, right. like the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's that's you're yeah. you're you are justifying those things when you say that. Um, yeah. Most important thing for anti-war people to to desire is that the war comes to a close quickly. It's meh. No, I think it's the most like, important thing it, for an anti-war like, person is to desire not to have any wars. Innocents killed. Yeah, and not to have innocents killed. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. Yeah, that's the main goal. In any case, um, so there's that. That is a a full-on deep dive into the Ritter thing yeah. that I doubt you've heard in a lot of places. Um, yeah. I certainly haven't seen it anywhere. Um, the the kind of information that 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 we just ran through um, is is information that, like I said, I haven't seen anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I, I was a complete novice to this, so I I want to thank you both of you guys for like uh, delving into that and bringing it to the show. Well, uh, it's it was it was a rabbit hole that we fell down <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. I'm always happy to uh, fall down a legal rabbit hole. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Um, and it was, a, and it's an interesting story. And just like that, it's it, it was motivated. I want to be very, very clear. It was motivated by if there is injustice here, I want to find it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, I, I know you guys. You guys wouldn't be going on like a witch hunt type thing, right? It's, it's like let's look at the facts here. No, no, no. Our our interest in doing things like this, it's it is a witch hunt. It's for bad prosecutors, lying cops. Like it's a it's right. Yeah. That, it's a witch hunt for the state because they they do right. shit all the time that they're not supposed to. Right. Yeah, Constantly, yeah. it's what they yeah. they more often do what they're not supposed to than what they're supposed right. to. Yes. And, and that's and that's why again that's why uh, both of us have been entirely ready to admit that yeah that evidentiary issue with the 2001 thing he's he's got mm-hmm. the better end of that argument I think every day of the week he deserved a new trial 100 percent um I just don't think it would have changed the evidence against him the evidence against him would have stayed the same um and just like that what a jury took from that who knows but but the evidence wouldn't have changed so the I just don't find that to be a particularly compelling argument with regard to if he's arguing his innocence, I, I don't. Th- that 2001 mm-hmm. case coming in isn't a slam dunk. It, it's not anywhere near a slam dunk. If anything, it's a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he does have the better side of the argument. He should have had a new trial. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is, there was a miscarriage, I think, here of justice in the sense that that motion should have been granted. Um. 
But again, the evidence would have stayed the same. And it still doesn't address the 2001 case. (laughs) (laughs) The case that he wants to keep out of the public eye as much as possible. uh, Yeah, don't Google. Don't Google it. uh, Don't Google. Yeah, Yeah, don't Google. Don't Wikipedia. What you don't know doesn't hurt you. Right. It was sealed. It doesn't. Sealed doesn't mean what people want to think it does. Like, it really Uh doesn't make it disappear for forever. And it can come back. Like, sorry that's just oh yeah and it will come back i mean this if it's is, if you, sealed and it's public that doesn't mean you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> they could have brought it in through the newspaper articles there's exceptions for hearsay for stuff like that i mean they they could have brought it in through any of the articles that happened in 03 but yeah. you only find that if you google so just don't so, google. Yeah, just don't google um <laughs> yeah so that's that's that whole thing. Uh, again, if if this if this was deeply deeply uninteresting to you because you do not care about legal shit and you certainly don't care about Scott Ritter, good on you. Uh, that's that is good because <laughs> it's it's kind of there's an aspect of this that's a lot of drama for no reason. Um, but on the other hand, uh, uh, I thought it was important. Um, and and I know just like we had said at the top of the show. Um, Ace and I had spoken about this and whether we wanted to bring it up and it just seemed like it wasn't the right time. There wasn't really a, a lot to talk about with regard to it. Now that this I, whole I still thing wouldn't is have brought it up if it wasn't for like the out and out hypocrisy I saw from yes. some people. On, uh, on That's the I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been interested. I would not have yeah. looked into this had it not yeah. been for the fact that people were being so fucking hypocritical. Yeah, I wouldn't have really cared. Yep. Same. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, this is a this is less an indictment of Scott Ritter and more an indictment of the people who are defending him, who also love to talk about groomers and love to yes. talk about all that. That's that. Those are the people who this episode is designed to call out or or in some sense put a spot. And to be on. fair, to be fair, I do want to be fair. I I do want to be fair to the people. Um. So I disagree with the people who are like always shouting groomer uh from the first thing they see but a lot of them or i don't know i don't a lot some of them i've seen have been good on this on we're consistent yes really called it out so i do want to be fair uh in that so yeah Yeah, this is not in no way to say that either of the camps the either the people defending him or the people who call everyone a groomer it's not to say that either of those camps were 100 percent hypocritical on this there is a it's the venn diagram there's a there's a section in the middle and those are the people who we're concerned about because honestly some of them are 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 relatively meaningful voices as well, at least on Twitter. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. With the Daniel McAdams tweet back yes. to back in the same day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, for for those guys, maybe fucking reevaluate. Um, yeah. maybe reevaluate where your where your uh where your priorities are, and whether yeah. or not you actually are using your goddamn head. Um, mm-hmm. when you say shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, because that's that. So that's that. Is there anything else that we needed to hit on? Also, uh, unsolicited and meaningless advice for Angela McArdle. Do not put yourself in a situation where you are someone else's spokesperson. You are the chair of the Libertarian Party. That doesn't mean much, but you are supposed to represent the party. The things you say 
represent the party. Everyone who is a big L libertarian is represented by you. And to see yeah. that there is a possibility, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say Ritter was lying. I don't think he was. But I also don't want to hold Angela to everything Ritter put in his fucking Substack. Um, to see that that this was sent, if it is reflective of what was sent, is you ought to do a little bit of reevaluating as well, because this is not the position you want to be in. You do not want to be in the position of being spokesperson for a speaker who you know, know has this in their history. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the failure of this goes all the way up to the, the, the LP leadership. There was, there was the other organization who was part of it too. And I can't remember what they were, but the LP leadership did not handle this well. Um, yeah. And, and I know he threw her under the bus in this Substack, and I'm sure that upsets her, but mm-hmm. you gotta you, use your head. You, you can't be, you can't allow yourself to be put in this kind of position. Especially when you're trying to build a Libertarian Party that can win local elections. I just think this is just embarrassing for, like, the Libertarian Party. And, you know, I, I, it's like, you know, I, I, I'm the type of word, like, I, I'm not, so I'm, I've never been involved in the party, like, full stop. I've never, ever been, I've never been affiliated with the party, but I, and I, I, I don't intend to be. No, but I just want to say, so I, I, I'm not just attacking them, but this is just an embarrassing blunder. Like, it, it's just an embarrassing blunder yeah. all around. learn from it learn from it um i i would love if the libertarian party were successful i have my own gripes with the libertarian party i i i i i think libertarian party's cringe you know what i mean like all those things are true but i would love nothing more than for them to be successful and um and this is not going to get you there uh so so this is a this is an opportunity to reevaluate how you handle these kinds of situations mm-hmm. um uh, for for the good of the party you supposedly care about or you wouldn't be the chair um yeah so, so yeah, just, I, I don't want to be too hard on her. I know Lady Jane doesn't like her for other reasons, <laughs> but I don't want to be too hard on her just other than to say, don't let yourself be put in this position ever again, um, yeah. ever again. Cause it's, it's a really, really, really bad look. <laughs> and, maybe, and honestly, the benefit of the doubt you gave to him, maybe give to other people, maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe apply that a little more broadly. Uh, cause it's not, it's not a terrible, uh, reflex to want to give people yeah, the benefit no, I, of the doubt. Not, I was, yeah. If I just saw this in a vacuum, I would not be mad necessarily willingness to give him the benefit of the doubt. No. It would be about not knowing the facts of the case. Yeah. Okay. I'm perfectly fine with that as a standard principle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that's all that I wanted to say. Does, do either of you have anything more on this topic? I'm good. I don't think so. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, well, does do either of you have anything more generally? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll just go with plugs if we're ready for plugs. Uh, all right, let's do plugs then. Uh, all right. You can find me at ace underscore Arcus on Twitter. And my Substack is acearcus.com, which I may have a new short article coming out tomorrow, probably, or by the time someone listens to this on Monday. Excellent. Um, and uh, well, let's go with you, Lady Jane. What do you have? Uh, if you want to plug anything at all, you don't have to. Uh, I have nothing to plug except my silly little low follower uh, Twitter account. It's S Deo Content. That's me. That's a really good play on words. 
Yes. Yes. I'm, it's I'm funny. It's funny it. to about thirty people, but it's very <laughs> funny to those thirty people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it personally. Um, I think you came up with it actually. So. Uh, oh, that yeah, sounds like something I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so pacing Joska J O U S K A on Twitter is where I can be found. Um, and that's, I think that's all I've got. Uh, we will see all you guys, uh, next time. Later guys. All right. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the end times continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.